You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and I want to welcome you to episode 11. Today, we bring you a very special lore episode of the Destiny Show Podcast. We'll dive into the Drifter and the Invitation of the Nine lore with the Queen of Destiny lore, Green-Eyed Music Lover from Focused Fire Chat, We'll give you guys a rundown of the latest weekly update from Bungie, and we'll share our impressions on the new Iron Banner changes. So, Green-Eyed Music Lover, thank you so much for being on the show today, and welcome. Of course, thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor to have you on the show, and I have been a fan from day one, from the very beginning. I've listened to every episode. And I can't believe you guys are 163 episodes in. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely incredible. And thank you for your inspiration 
to inspire us to start a podcast ourselves. So thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. I mean, it's just, you, you, you don't do the shows, and this is something I know we're going to talk about a little bit later. You don't do the shows because of like fame or anything like that. You do it just because you have fun with it. And then if you can inspire somebody to have a better day, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what makes this Destiny community so great, that it's all about community. It's all about helping each other grow as guardians and learn more about the game that we enjoy playing and that we call our hobby. Mm -hmm. And we also welcome, of course, my co-host, Shadow Price. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Really, really awesome day. We've had quite a few announcements today with the start of PAX East in Boston. A little bittersweet, little bittersweet, because we wanted to be there. We wanted to be there for that announcement today, Borderlands 3. Oh yeah, spoiler alert, Borderlands 3, is, it's a thing, people, so be excited. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome. Um, even Destiny playing some Iron Banner, getting, trying to get my dredging title in, um, in the game and everything too. So yeah, awesome time to be a gamer. Absolutely. And we also welcome back the Dark Angel 98. She is a lore expert, and she was on our podcast not too long ago as a special guest. And we had so much fun together that we decided to invite her back on permanently to co-host our monthly lore episodes. So, the Dark Angel 98, thank you so much for being here, and congratulations on becoming a Twitch affiliate. Oh, thanks, guys. You guys are so nice. Yeah, because I know that you guys and a bunch of other people have been really supportive on, like, Twitter and retweeting all my stuff, and it's just, like, really, really thankful, and I'm really glad to have all of the support. And I'm also really thanks to be back to this podcast, because you guys are, like, super great. Love your episodes. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for listening, and thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with our audience about all of the awesome and exciting things happening in Destiny lore these days. And we're going to talk all about that today. Ooh, I'm excited! So, before we begin, I do have a few announcements to make. First... The Destiny Show podcast, of course, welcomes our newest member, the Dark Angel 98. She is one of the smartest gals when it comes to Destiny lore. And we had such an awesome episode when we recorded our last lore episode that we decided, hey, she should come back and do this a lot more often. So we invited her on to come back each and every month as we do a lore episode. And we want to welcome her as our resident lore expert. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. You guys are great. So I figured yeah. I would help you guys with my lore knowledge and whatnot and kind of just... It's a win-win yeah. for everybody. Yeah, that's what I was trying to... Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. I need Absolutely. Coffee. Absolutely. And as always, the Destiny Show podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and the list goes on. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. 
So moving on, let's continue with our weekly discussions with the Guardian. And on the hot seat, we have Green from Focused Fire Chat. And we're so excited to get a chance to chat with you and learn more about you and your podcast, Ooh. Focused Fire Chat. For anyone who does not know, and if you've been living under a rock, Green is a bona fide lore expert and co-host of the longest-running Destiny lore podcast, Focused Fire Chat, with 163 episodes. She is a hunter main, and her favorite thing in Destiny is the Awoken lore. Indeed, and indeed. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on to talk about Destiny lore. But before we dive into the lore, I'd love to learn more about you and Focused Fire Chat and to learn about how you guys got started with your podcast. Well, actually, if like for those people who were there at the very beginning, I did not join FFC at its at its very beginning. I was one of the initial listeners back in a november 7th of 2015 that's i mean it's we've been running for four years now which is a kind of a an intense thing to think about but my very first time on the episode was as a guest host on episode 40 where i helped them with the crota fire team we talked about that but i didn't come on as a full-time host until episode 68 and before then it was blue justin and willie and We've obviously had some change-ups in the lineup as far as host and co-host go, but yeah, I those guys started it out. I fell in love with it. I initially was a uh, what was it, uh, Destiny Ghost Stories listener for quite a quite a long time, and then they kind of they had their own perspectives on it, their own opinions on it. So I decided, okay, I'm going to look for different different opinions, different takes on things, and found FFC jumped into their discord and just kind of lurked for quite a while and enjoyed it and took it in and then eventually started reaching out to blue about helping with things and it kind of steamrolled from there that's really awesome and if if i'm not mistaken blue is the original founders of focused fire chat correct and the lore network Mm -hmm. awesome the lore network is kind of his brainchild that i've been helping with for about six or seven months now i think we're coming we're actually we're coming close on to a year of its origination but it's getting there a little bit at a time i checked out the website and you guys had done a really awesome job with it and if, if anyone's interested in learning more about it visit www.thelorenetwork.com to learn more and to get awesome lore content. I think that uh, you guys are doing some really incredible things, especially with lore that is such a complicated subject in Destiny that's not always the easiest to decipher and to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure Dark Angel knows that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of the lore, it's very like, I don't know what the word is, but it's like some of this stuff is so... Like well, one of the stuff we're gonna talk about, it references stuff all the way back in this very specific grimoire card in Destiny One, mm-hmm. and it's just crazy how everything all connects. That's like probably my favorite thing about the Destiny lore is how everything all connects all together. A nice little bow. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Like the way the stories are intertwining now and things like that, you can see. Oh, yeah, everything's wrapping up. You can see the different connections, like mm -hmm. with the Nine and Drifter and like things like that. Sabathun eventually, and yeah. Shout out to one of the major, major players in the lore community. Even though most people actually don't know who he is, um, now I'm now I'm blanking on his name. I'm giving him this accolade, and now I can't think of his name. Uh, Captain Kex, there we go. Oh yeah, Captain Kex, yeah, I know. Kex, he's, he's amazing, yeah. Kex has this massive mind map, because Kex is a, um, he's a detective in real life. And so he has wow. to this program that allows him to do these uh, crazy mind map threads, like, you know, the the meme with the guy with the wall covered with papers and the strings and everything. He does that for real with um, digitally. And he created a mind map that is incredibly massive, connecting all the different topics in Destiny. And I, I don't know if we've really gotten too much into D2 stuff because it's just gotten so crazy. I'm sure he's working on it in his spare time. I just have not been able to pop in there and see what he's done since the end of uh, Age of Triumph, the very first in, uh, end of D1. But yeah, he's another one that I would suggest if you ever want to follow somebody who knows their stuff he is certainly one of those yeah definitely very cool and i'll make sure to add that into our show notes so that way if any of our listeners do want to learn more they can find it within the show notes when that goes out on friday mm -hmm. very cool so green how do you start out with playing destiny I actually got roped into it by a bunch of uh, co-teachers because I taught K through 12 music back in Kansas for a few years, played Borderlands, played online with a couple of friends, and they convinced me to try Destiny around December in 2015. So I missed the initial launch. I missed the beta. I missed all of that. Even didn't even have it on my radar came in during Dark Below, but they convinced me to try it, to run a raid with them, and I've kind of gotten hooked a little deeper than I expected, and definitely more than my wife expected, but you know, it's been good. It's been good for everybody. Awesome. It's awesome. Been roped into it. In mm -hmm. some way. <laughs> you just get those hive talons stuck in you and you can't get them out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I kind of convinced Shadow Price to get destiny when that came out we were actually call of duty fans before that mm -hmm. oh cool originally we did play halo yeah and nice. i started I with halo reach mm -hmm. halo reach is good i love that game that's one of my favorites i am so excited for that game to come to pc i am very very excited i've been wanting for this game to come to the pc for years now and we've been talking about it and contemplating when is that going to come out and we were thinking it's going to come out on the 10-year anniversary of Halo Reach, which I think it came out in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, 2010, Halo Reach. 2010, okay, I yeah. stand corrected. So yeah, so 2010, and we thought we were going to have to wait a couple more years, but luckily this year will be an exciting year, especially if you're into Halo or Borderlands. There's some good things happening for us gamers. Mm-hmm. It's sure. nice to see these communities thriving, like uh, a, a, a Halo community thriving again, like, yes. you know, like in, in PvP and things like that, like, you know, Forge, 
making things in the forge. Oh my god. Do you know how much easier yeah. it's going to be to make things in the forge for it? Oh, I'm so excited now. Mouse and keyboard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mouse and keyboard's going to make it a lot easier. Yeah, that's... I'm, I'm absolutely terrible when it comes to mouse keyboard games, but like being able to manipulate things in the forge, like I will, if I get Halo for my PC, I'm going to be playing like a noob with a controller just because it, it will feel weird with a mouse and keyboard, but being hey. able to manipulate things in Forge would be nice. I'm going to share with you guys a little secret that most people may not know. I play on the PC, but I still use my PS4 controller because keyboard and mouse still feels kind of foreign to me. Mm -hmm. I've tried it. Same. I continue to try it, but uh, it's challenging to use. It Keyboard's hard for me. It hurts, my, it hurts my wrist. It's just I can't get the, the fingering down mm -hmm. when you, you have to like, move your character around. I just get... I get frustrated. I get flustered when I'm trying to do it. The one time I tried it, I, I logged in with uh, Beard Grizzly, one of the other co-hosts, and I was chasing him around um, IO of all places because, you know, him and his Asher Mirror love. I was just <laughs> absolutely terrible at even just following him on a sparrow on mouse and keyboard. I'm like, I, I don't know how people do this, but I, I more power to them. <laughs> yeah it takes a lot of practice in my in my opinion but some people have been playing pc games their whole life oh yeah so sure. i think that's where it becomes a little bit more natural uh for us we came from playing from x on xbox to moving on to the ps4 and then once destiny came out for the pc I couldn't resist the frames, and mm -hmm. I just had to see what that was all about, and I've been pretty. loving it ever since. It is so very pretty. What platform do you play on, Green? Primarily now PlayStation. I was Xbox okay. all the way through D1, and then beginning of D2, and then I switched to PlayStation for actually a uh, the Pod Clash that Saint 14 podcast put on a few, it would have been last year. And I switched over to put a team together because nobody on Xbox that I knew wanted to play in the pod clash. So I pulled a team together on PlayStation. Kind of never went back. I had yeah, it on I... all three platforms, actually. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I just don't play PC ever. And Xbox on rare occasion. <laughs> we have it on all three platforms, too. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a problem. It, yeah, <laughs> it's but, but I had a Destiny problem. <laughs> no, we we have a pretty big Destiny problem. Although primarily, I do play on the PC. I try to hop on my PlayStation and run one character on there. Mm -hmm. But it's it's so difficult, especially running three characters, let alone four. Oh, yeah, it becomes. A, I haven't even touched my other characters yet like i just had my hunter just yesterday reached 700s and i'm like well now to work on my other characters yeah it becomes almost a chore yeah definitely that's what i relate to having to dismantle things constantly it's such a chore and i don't have enough vault space i know i mm -hmm. complain about it often but it's a real problem for me all the time I think every couple of weeks my vault fills up and everything just fills up and I'm like, uh, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Are but, we uh, not ever going to have a problem with vault space? Is there 
any time, any time in Destiny that that vault space is gonna be a thing of the past. Like, I mean, if they just take it away completely, then you won't have a problem with vault space. There won't be any vault space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to make so, those decisions on the fly. Like, oh no, I only have X amount of stuff. Oh, that'd be awful. Oh, I don't like that. I like my vault space. Yeah, I do have a hoarding problem in Destiny. That's been something that's kind of gone with me since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I I cherish the things I get, and I, I don't want to let them go. Plus, I have so many gunsmith materials that it's not even funny anymore. I think I have mm -hmm. like 25,000. I'm not even kidding. Jesus, that's so much. Yeah. Yeah, but there's nothing that Banshee really drops anymore, and it takes so much to get him to drop any engrams. I'm sorry for the doggies in the background. Ooh. Doggo is mm -hmm. very... And I thought Rocky's loud. Everybody awesome. wants to be on the Destiny show. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. Buddy and Caleb, they, they are very protective boys. All 25 pounds combined of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Are they both Chihuahuas? One's a Bichon mix, and the other one is a Chihuahua mix. Yeah, I have a little Pomeranian Chihuahua, so I I can relate to the attitude. The... Oh yes, he's mm -hmm. he gets pretty feisty sometimes. Sometimes he's pretty demanding of things. Like if he wants something, he will make sure that you are aware of that. Oh, I'm sure. But he's he protects the house really well, and. He... Green, what is your favorite lore in Destiny, and why? I I come from a RPG background initially. I was very much so a Oblivion Skyrim fan. Oh yeah. Um, I loved D and D growing up. I never actually played D and D. I just loved the books because I never had friends enough that were into that kind of thing. So I didn't actually get into tabletop RPGs until I was in college. But I really love elf-like races, so anything related to the Awoken are kind of my, my wheelhouse at this point, at least as far as things that I devour initially as soon as I see them. Uh, the other thing is, is I run a, a roleplay account on Twitter that is a Petrovenge account, so I have to make sure that I'm accurate lore-wise, otherwise people will call you out. Yeah, definitely. I like the Awoken lore, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The Maracena, the oh, yeah, Awoken of the Reef. I recorded uh, the Maracena, and it, it would took me... Oh, the, the recording was an hour and 45 minutes long for the entire book, and it took me three weekends of probably six hours each weekend just to get the thing recorded into a, in a way that I felt comfortable releasing it. Yeah. It was rough. So good. Yeah, definitely. I love the Awoken lore as well, and especially now that we know that Aldrin is coming back and everything that's happening with Mara Sov, mm -hmm. it's, it's such a fascinating group of uh, characters, in my opinion, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when Aldrin finally returns, hopefully, to, to the Tower, if, if that even remains that. I have some theoretical tidbits that comes from last week's episode that we did on FFC, Aldrin, the tower may not actually know that Aldrin's been rezzed, according to the Stolen Intelligence books. Oh. Hmm, that's really interesting. 
Mm-hmm. They'll just show up and they'll be like, what? But well, we know because did... we saw the vision. Right. Oh, yeah. But the hidden don't know, or at least the, the agent who reported it back to Ikora didn't know. Mm. Which would make sense because that would be some pretty um, high level clearance type information that not a whole lot of people would probably get. Yeah, either. definitely. But Tower doesn't seem to be acting on it if they do know. Well, and currently the Tower is dealing with quite a few other problems these days, especially with a little group called the Praxic Order. Yeah, the Praxics are their own thing, always have been. And we're going to talk a lot more about the Praxic Order and the situation that is taking place currently in Destiny. And before we do dive into that, <laughs> my turn. Yep. <laughs> One Rocky second. Um, yeah, it seems like the uh, seems like the Vanguard. You know, right now they they don't really have a sense of urgency or anything. They're just like letting stuff happen. <laughs> well, they. You, know? you have to think of it from their perspective too. Since the Red War happened, or everything that happened with Gaul, they have kind of been put into a position politically where people view them as the actual leaders and that's not how they were initially intended to perform they were supposed to be um mentors to the guardians themselves not necessarily leaders of humanity at that point and now they've become the pseudo figurehead slash almost political not necessarily president and vice president type thing but they're they almost have this council-like feel where everyone expects them to be more than they yeah, actually definitely. are. I see. I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. The lore for the oxygen, as the new pinnacle weapon for the Vanguard, kind of talks a little bit mm -hmm. about that because it's a conversation between Ikora and Zavala, mm -hmm. and it kind of ends on yeah, like that's the scout about. rifle oxygen SR three or SR four. I want to say. Yeah. SR three, I think. Yeah, it's, SR3. It's an Amalon scout, if I remember right. Yeah, it's SR3. Yep. But yeah, and there's a message in Stol Stolen Intelligence where Ikora talks about the possibility of the Vanguard disbanding mm, and yeah. her reasonings behind it, which is incredibly interesting if they were to go ahead and do that. Because then we, granted, we don't necessarily need them as far as like pushing our story forward because we have a lot of leads in other directions from other characters but mm -hmm. it would be interesting not to have that voice of uh that grounding voice that's that pseudo speaker voice because now that's who they are yeah, yeah definitely that we don't have the speaker anymore we don't have kate anymore mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and i can imagine that would definitely hurt the morale in the tower as well mm -hmm. where Zavala and Ikora maybe feel like they can't really run things adequately to protect the people they were sworn to protect. Mm -hmm. And they're both first warriors, not politicians. They weren't supposed to push paper and, and organize these groups necessarily. They were meant to lead from the front. Yeah, and I think me and Shadow were talking about it the other day, where it would be very interesting to see Zavala and Ikora take a new role in the game where they're with you in the front line, fighting alongside with you in the mm -hmm. field. 
more. And that would be a really interesting direction for Bungie to take with the game sometime in the future. I mean, you talk about Last Call and how we got to fight alongside Cade. That's still one of my favorite missions to run when it kind of pops up as as a daily because it's so much fun to see him in there with us and watch him use his golden gun and watch him go through the fight with you. And granted, this cutscene at the end, I still skip because it's painful to watch every time. But it's very emotional. It is. And they did a great job of showing it. And you finally get to see a double jump in like animated. It's so cool. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I have to agree with you on that. That's probably my favorite mission in Forsaken by far. It's mm-hmm. long, too. It's like 45 minutes long. It's such a long mission. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because you have to like go through the prison and everything else. But and there's so it's many definitely one of my favorites. If you watch all the cutscenes and everything, and yeah, everything, it's like 45 minutes long, that whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with the Forsaken expansion. I really hope that they continue the momentum going into the fall after the annual pass is done with during the next season of The Opulence. So that would be really interesting. Green, I'm curious to ask, what is the most rewarding and challenging thing about hosting a weekly Destiny lore podcast? It's kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenging, I think, is something you would touch. You touched on a little bit before, and how prepping. There's so much time go that goes into prepping a lore episode, from doing the mind maps that I put together, or putting together our show notes, which are pages upon pages long. We, especially recently, we've done like seven and eight page long show notes and those are just like cliff notes versions with us commenting on the sides towards each other and like things to remember to talk about um those notes take so much time probably between blue and i we put close to six to seven hours each week into those show notes wow yeah it's it's a it's because you if you get something wrong you'll have somebody in chat who will correct you or you'll have some you'll get a note later about it so you have to you have to make sure you have all your bases covered there are 162 episodes i'm sure you got a lot of people that are lore hounds now that you know they they follow it just as you guys like you know deliver it and everything sometimes i mean you mostly see it in live chat luckily i haven't seen a whole lot of people attack us via twitter or like in um dispatches where people will send in emails or anything like that there really haven't been too many people who do that because most people who listen to our show are consumers not necessarily um, right right they're consumers of the show for to learn about the lore but the they're people, there to learn about it exactly yeah. rather than mm-hmm. people who are there to expand upon their knowledge which granted our show is not your 101 kind of show like we try to go into your basic, basic story, but if you don't have a good understanding about Destiny to begin with, like if you don't know who Kate is, if you don't know who Aldrin is, it's going to be really hard to talk to you at a level that is going to be the bare bones basic, like this is what happened in the story. This is why this happened in the story. And it's it's difficult to walk that line because we also want to get, present information that is at a higher level so we can discuss the things that are not just things that you get in game or things that you get in the cards, but also the theoretical aspects of 
this could possibly happen according to this person who said this back in whenever episode or whenever uh, release. Mm -hmm. It's a fine line walking those two. As far as most rewarding aspect, I would say that actually recording and recording live is probably my favorite thing when it comes to doing the show because I get to hang out with my buddies and make fun of them and talk with them and debate with them and it's blue's kind of become my unofficial brother it's funny because my wife actually calls him my work husband (laughs) because we we talk so much and beard has kind of become that same thing justin was that it's just these people are people i enjoy talking to and so when we get on a friday night it doesn't matter any of the stuff going on in real life We have the show and we have each other and it's just fun to relax and kick back and talk about a game we love. Yeah, and you guys are so knowledgeable when it comes to Destiny lore. I've learned a great deal about the lore in the game from you guys and from Bife and from Mm -hmm. Mylian Games. It's, It's incredible what you guys do. I mean, each and every week to record such high quality content I have a lot of admiration for you guys and make sure you let Blue know that we appreciate him as well for starting this thing and for all of the hard work and all of the other hosts as well on the show. You guys are doing some really awesome things and we are great fans of all of your content. Thank you. And I think for me, one of the most rewarding things about doing a podcast is learning as you go along, being able to interview individuals like you who have so much knowledge and so much wisdom to share and it allows you to grow not only as a guardian but as a human being where you learn about so many different perspectives each and every week we were fortunate enough to have people like uh p tibbs who is game developer we had uh, PS Nation on the podcast a few weeks back as well. And then we had the Dark Angel as well. So it was, it was great to learn about the game from so many different perspectives and so many different minds where you can learn about so many different aspects of Destiny and just video games in general. Certainly. I mean, that's, that's one of the best things about this game is that you can have all these different perspectives and all these different voices and the people for the most part there are some bad apples out there but for the most part the people out there will be respectful of your opinion and be respectful of your positions and have a conversation with you like an adult i definitely agree on that shadow price what is the most rewarding thing for you being a podcaster just be able to have a voice you know, talk about the game that we love to play. Um, there's a lot of fascinating things in the game as far as the, the lore goes. And, you know, I've, I've followed Destiny lore almost since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, read, I read a lot of the Grimoire cards. I listened to the ghost stories and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been fascinated with the lore in Destiny. Like, it's just, it's really dark. There's a lot of dark stuff that happens in in the game and everything um and it's just awesome how it's how talented the the writers are Mm -hmm. and everything and they're you really see it through you know what you're reading and everything and it's just it's incredible it's like 
one of, it's like my favorite lore almost of any game ever and i've played like tons of games and I, i'm also an rpg fan i i came from final fantasies i played mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. a big final fantasy fan like final fantasy 7 is is my favorite final fantasy because i love the story in it you know and you know it really pulls at your heartstrings sometimes talk about a lore back like the amount of lore that it takes to understand that game that franchise Mm -hmm. final fantasy luckily we have beard on the show because we do extra lures he broke my brain with that that one that one and the near automata one i just I got to a point during the episode and I was just like, I need to, I need you to talk to me. Like I'm in second grader, please. Cause <laughs> I've, this is, this is a lot. Yeah. But it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You know, video games are awesome. Like the people who make them, the developers, the writers, everybody who put their heart and soul into them. Like you could, it just, it's so awesome. It, it really is. And that's why it's like the most, most popular entertainment medium out there is mm-hmm. video games right now. It's surpassed movies and, and books. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think the lore in Destiny has come so far since the very beginning, since Vanilla Destiny came out. And even then, there was some really interesting lore, but there's so much depth to it. And it's so interesting how all of the characters just kind of come together in this perfect way. And I, I think the lore in Destiny is some of the best of any game that I've played. And I've, you know, played games like Borderlands and Skyrim, and those are incredible games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Destiny is taking, is taking things to a whole new level with this expansion, especially when it comes to their lore. So, uh, Green, I do want to ask, who did you side with? The Vanguard or the Drifter? I sided with Drifter, no questions asked. Partially because I I knew the lore going into it, because I had um, slight insider information. But I also run Gambit. I'm a Dredgen. I have a Gambit team, a set team, with uh, Isakol, the writer of Bad Destiny Joke, and... Uh, the rest of my clan with Lux Regalia and Speedy uh, Speedy Russian and all those guys, we have kind of a set group that we run Gambit and we we play it fairly often and we like to ruin people's days with it, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I sided with Drifter, no question. I got the the honor book or the honor cards and whatnot. And I was just like, you know, I I hear you, but I don't like you. So I'm going to delete those and not pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately sided with the Vanguard on my main <gasps> character. It's not an unfortunate thing. You can totally side with Vanguard. I have no problem with that. Well, you know what it is for me? The Drifter keeps calling me a snitch, and it makes me feel bad because I love Gambit. Gambit is one of my favorite activities in Destiny right now, and... My main character is my hunter, and I figured, okay, well, hunter vanguard, you have to stay true to your roots, mm-hmm. you know, do it for Cade. So I figured, okay, I'm going to side with the vanguard, but now I play Gambit the most with my hunter, so it's like, I don't want to be called a snitch. I, yeah. I wish I sided with you on my main character, but it's okay, 
because I do intend on playing through the entire quest line on my Warlock and Titan. Mm -hmm. So I will be siding with the Drifter to redeem what I have done wrong, <laughs> so to speak. What's funny, though, is I I don't know if it's because of, like, accidental things. Because, you know, sometimes if you're playing Crucible, Shax will say you lose at the end of the game, even though your team yeah. won. Um, I've gotten a few voice lines loading into matches where Drifter has called me a snitch. Now, it doesn't happen okay. often, but it does happen. Yeah, that happened That happened to me, like, today when I was playing. I kept, He kept, like, saying, oh, you told on me, you told on me, but I'm like, but... A drifter, I, I sided with you. I'm a dragon. I, I have the full collector set. I thought we were homies. <laughs> yeah, it must be like another audio glitch because I know because all of my guardians are female, but they keep calling drifter keeps calling me brother sometimes. Like, you gotta kill the blockers, brother. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's not talking to you, maybe he's talking to your teammate who's not doing that's, that's what I'm assuming. I'm like, you're talking to my teammates, I'm assuming, but I'll go help. Maybe, <laughs> since I have 20 moats. <laughs> have you heard the voice lines where Drifter, if you are if you have a full set of invader gear or um, sentry gear, like I run a sentry, he has specific voice lines for those types? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really funny, because like, cause I run I the full it. collector set, and he's like, ah, oh, you're a collector. Don't let the invaders know, but you're the real MVP. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Yeah. He's right. And then he's right. Invader, Without he's like, me, we wouldn't win. Invader, huh? You guys scare me and everything. You know? <laughs> I just love that they're adding all of this, like, personalized like, personalization. And, like, it's kind of saying, oh, it's a reflection on, like, your character's choice. Oh, you sided with the drifter. Okay, you get these voice lines. Oh, you're a sentry. You get these. I just think that I just really like that little personal touch. Mm -hmm. Me too. Like feel like what I'm doing matters a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have to agree on that. I think it adds more depth to the game where your choices are beginning to to matter now. So it's oh, starting yeah. to feel more like a RPG. Mm -hmm. And I really hope they embrace that about the game, especially going into D3. That oh, yeah, would be definitely. really cool to have more of these decision-based missions where our choices affect how all of the characters interact with us in futures. That's really cool. So let's take a little break from the Destiny chat and have some fun for a minute. Uh-oh. And Green, oh. <laughs> since you're on the hot seat, if you were stranded on an island and you could only bring three things with you, what would they be and why? Hmm. Ooh. I would take a knife because practical probably like flint as well like a fire starter stick type thing to use with the knife so i have fire because practical uh maybe like extra like rope like or twine or something like that i, I mean you just want to make sure i okay so i grew up in kansas I'm a Girl Scout. I grew up in, on a farm. I can make things. I actually took a class back in uh, college because this was apparently a PE class, a survivalist class. And uh, that's they, so cool. Yeah, it's it was weird. 
it was really weird. It's basically like your 101, like how to camp kind of stuff most of the time. And then Mm. for your final, they would take you out into the country and drop you off near uh, one of the uh, major trails, like the old cow trails. And you had to, with a very limited amount of things, make your way back to town using the gear that you had. And you ended up having to camp overnight. It's kind of ruthless in that respect, but it was it was a good learning experience. And of course, I grew up camping and whatnot, so it wasn't ever that scary. But I don't know. I'm not a city slicker by any stretch of the imagination, no matter what my brothers say now. But yeah, I think a knife, uh, flint, and some rope. <laughs> not very you would totally last on Survivor then. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> like I'm not... I mean, I guess they could take like a satellite phone, like one of those phones that can like call out anywhere, no matter if you have signal or not, because as long as you have access to the sky, there's no clouds, these phones will actually connect and you can still call out. So, I mean, I could do that and cheat and get off the island. (laughs) It's the fun in that. Yeah, where's the sense of adventure? You're Mm -hmm. a hunter, so it makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, basically. It's not super creative. It's not like I need to have my music or I need to have my PlayStation. I'm like, ah, no, those don't matter in the great scheme of things. Yeah, definitely. Hey, here's a fun fact. If you purchased the Destiny 2 Collector's Edition, inside you will find a, a bag with rope inside as a survival that's tool. Solar panel, doesn't it? I think it does. Yep. It comes oh, yeah, with a solar awesome. panel. Solar panel and charger. Like a, a really? Charger. Yep. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And a really sweet bag. Like it looks really, really awesome. So yeah, we were talking about the collector's edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And me and Shadow Price actually picked up the collector's edition right when the game came out. Uh, we were one of the few people uh, from that GameStop to uh, pick one up and it's it's really cool it comes with a hawthorne a bag and it's a life-size bag it's pretty legit and then it comes with a paracord a solar blanket of all things what's just I mean, the... yeah you gotta stay warm That's pretty cool yeah. yeah yeah so all you really need is the destiny 2 collector's edition and you're all set <laughs> yeah and maybe a PS Vita so you can play Destiny, although you would need a <laughs> PS4 in order to actually Remote play it, right, Shadow? Yeah. And, and then, you yeah. need, then you need like a treadmill or a bike so you can pedal so you can power the whole thing. <laughs> I like where this is going. I'd, I'd take that with me if I was stranded. <laughs> you guys are silly. That's awesome. So Green, your name is Green-Eyed Music Lover. Mm-hmm. Something tells me that you're a fan of music. Yeah, I, uh, for quite a long time, I actually have a degree in music education. And yeah, I have a classically trained voice. I can sing opera if I need to. I don't generally do so. Um, But I, both my wife and I actually are classically trained musicians. I also play saxophone, but. Whoa. Yeah. I can play quite a few different instruments, but sax is my main. And I taught K through 12 music, uh, anywhere, anything from beginning band, uh, kindergarten, like basic, basic music stuff, all the way up to 
12th grade choir and I assisted band and whatnot for a few years too. That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll let you in on another secret. In high school, I was actually a voice major and I took part in three choirs back in high school. And I also took advanced placement music theory. And then in college, I also oh. studied quite a bit of music as well. So nice. I can relate to your uh, passion for music. A tenor? I was a tenor, yes. Yeah, I can hear it, yeah. Yes, <laughs> although second tenor, well, mm -hmm. <laughs> freshman in high school, maybe I was higher, but you know, right. it changed as, since then. As you do. And I settled into a second tenor more of a high baritone uh, that voice sweet spot in yeah exactly exactly have you ever led a choir before out of curiosity i have actually i've led quite a few choirs uh, my last teaching gig which i actually do not teach anymore i led uh, my high school my original high school that i went to i was the choir teacher the choir there i also have done um some Sweet Adeline's Barbershop Choir, where I led that group for a few different events. Mostly sang as a baritone there, which is essentially your, your first alto, second alto type character in Barbershop. But yeah, I've done a few different choral leads and whatnot. Mostly, mostly classical, but I've led a few different shows. That is really cool. And I know Shadow Price is also pretty musically inclined also. He used to be in a music band, right, Shadow? Yeah, I mean, we just, we, we, we play, you know, we mess around and, you know, I play a little bit of guitar and sing nice. a little and stuff. Um, I'm probably like baritone, probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoy it. Uh, Tool is my favorite band. I love the band Tool. Because Heck yeah. I love their sound. I love Maynard. Like, he's got an amazing voice. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, when I, I try to play when I can, when I'm not playing Destiny, trying to fit right. it in and everything. It's tough. I do want to start, I want to try to practice more mm -hmm. because we, I've been asked to like do like a battle of the bands kind of thing. Oh, that'd be cool. Stuff. So, yeah, so I have to, I have to start practicing now more. So, yeah. You know, Lot of fun. People get really like, um, I don't know if shy is the the right word, but like they kind of tend to shut down when they hear that you're like a tra classically trained musician. Dude, I love gritty rock. I wish I could play guitar like half the people I know. I, I mean, that gritty rock or like dirty rock or any of that kind of stuff, like that Southern rock is my favorite genre. Mm -hmm. And so people who can do that and sing at the same time, kind of blows my mind because I have to focus so stinking hard when I'm doing my one thing, whether it's playing saxophone or singing, I don't generally do two things at the same time. So if you can do that, more power to you. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I had to teach myself how to do it. And I had to like, try to get rid of bad habits and things like that. But oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing it now for, I don't know, like 10, 12 years, I guess. That's Just, awesome. Uh, yeah. And um, some songs are like secondhand nature to me. It, it's hard to sing and play Tool because they play off time signature. Mm -hmm. and everything. Like I could do sober. I could, so 
you know, nice, good there. And we do mess around with 46 and two a little. So I just love that song. It's really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy music live growing up with it. Like my dad was really big into music. He was really big into the, to the British rock and everything. Mm -hmm. I would say not so much. I mean, she has a band, but Dorothy is probably my favorite at the moment. And she, she's not really well known. I don't think like she's known in the kind of that Southern rock, dirty rock scene. She only has one album out really, but she's, I don't know. She's a really interesting singer, has some interesting, uh, it's not like complicated, like Mars Volta or Tool where it has crazy time signatures and that experimental rock feel. It's a little bit more blues oriented. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. I'm really digging her stuff right now. Nice. Nice. I'll have Very to cool. look into that. Mm-hmm. She, is Dorothy? That's just, that's the name of the... Yeah, I can, I'll, I can put a link for you in oh, the okay. general. Cool. Yeah, and we can add that to the show notes as well if anyone is interested in checking out some new music. That's really cool. I like uh, Flyleaf. I've been listening to Flyleaf a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Lacey's voice. <clears throat> I tell you what, little secret tidbit, I mean, Cornholio might know this from listening to the show last week. I've been working on a little side project with um, Log Power Slave, if mm-hmm. you know him. Great uh, guy. Oh, yeah, super awesome guy. He's been helping me out a ton because I've been recording a parody song, and he's been helping me with the audio of it. And I tell you what, Amy Lee is oh dang God. near impossible to sound like like i can only wish to sound like her she is yeah i seen her live i saw oh god i wish and yeah she's she's got an amazing voice Mm -hmm. so much power in her voice too just yeah it's it's incredible yeah yeah she's she's one of my favorite uh female singers so i i can very much agree on that she is really awesome mm-hmm. didn't didn't she uh perform at what was that festival in upstate new york she wasn't K-Rock? at that she wasn't at the one we were at corn um i believe uh that i think flyleaf no hailstorm hailstorm was at that one you saw hailstorm oh, okay yep that was hailstorm Lizzie Hale. Okay. and she's really good too lizzie hale from hailstorm yeah she's really really awesome as well yeah, was... she can sing very good. She can play the guitar very good. Nice. Too. Yeah, like she's incredible. <laughs> guitar is so difficult to learn when you're just starting out because you really have to build the calluses for it. Mm-hmm. But yep, you got to one... build the calluses. Yep, you got to make sure you have your fingernails cut on your fret hand and everything. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it'll be difficult to uh, fret those mm-hmm. with your fingers around them. Be prepared to slice your finger open if you try to slide around too much, especially if you're playing electric. Yeah, if you're not, yeah. If yep. you're not built up your calluses yep. yet. I've, mm-hmm. I've been there. I took a guitar class in college, and there, there were some painful days, for sure. My son has learned to start playing, and he's, uh, he learned Seven Nation Army, and it's like, I don't even know if I can listen to that song anymore because I've heard it so many times now. <laughs> it's that one that he's got down and he'll let you know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's also now playing Sunshine of Your Love. Um, okay. Cream. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, too. 
that's really impressive. He's he's ahead of me. That's great. And he's only yeah. like nine years old, right? Yeah, he's only nine. Wow. So I want to get him started impressive. early so he'll be a natural at like 18. Very cool. And Green, I do want to ask you, uh, who had the greatest influence on you as a content creator and as a lore expert over the years and why? Hmm. Well, those are kind of two different answers because the person who influenced me to want to dive into the lore was actually Sir Wallen. And oh. he he hasn't done a whole lot of Destiny videos in a while. Like he's been kind of putting them out every once in a while. But Wally used to put out a bunch of videos and his was the initial lore video that I found before I ever found Mylan or Bife or any of those guys. Same. I listened, used to listen to Sir Wallen on the, the uh, Plant Destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wally is super nice guy too, but he was he would probably be like the most influential as far as like getting me started down this road. And then of course you have Bife, who's just been kind of a crazy awesome um, content creator, and I know he's like kind of stars and leagues ahead of a lot of different people, but. He's always been really down to earth and he does with a lot of different things. And Planet Destiny was kind of a huge, huge help for Focus Fire Chat at really getting off the ground. So I would say both Sir Wallen, as far as like me getting started, and then Bife kind of a continued because Bife will come on our show every once in a while and hang out with us. And we hang out with him at Guardian Con and whatnot. Those two for sure. That's really cool. Yeah, Plant Destiny was the first. That was the first uh, Destiny channel I found was Plant Destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Those guys and uh, DCP. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to them since the very beginning as well. So shout out to the Destiny Community Podcast. You guys are really awesome. And yeah, my name is Bife. He's one of the professionally put together content creators in Destiny lore. And I always watch all of his latest videos on the new lore and destiny. And I've learned a great deal from him. And he has helped me with a ton of the research that I've had to do for the uh, show notes for the last lore episode that we did. And I have so much respect for him as a content creator. He put together a really incredible video not too long ago that was about an hour and a half long video about... Uh, lore the last the word the last mm-hmm. word yeah last word in dredge and York, yeah and it's such an incredible production on his part and i have so much respect for him he as had he... he the beauty of bife is bife is really good at allotting other people like he is really good at managing like he is incredible at like his own content creation and stuff like that don't get me wrong he makes a lot of his own videos but the artists that he pulls in and the different voice actors for when he has people do voice acting stuff, he is really smart about allocating out things to other people. And I really, he's just intelligent. He's an intelligent young man. And I can say that because I'm older than him, even though he's like six foot two and could probably bench press me if he really wanted to. But he is incredibly intelligent and I, him and both Mylan, they're both incredibly smart businessmen as well as lore aficionados. 
for sure. He's really good at articulating and everything uh, mm -hmm. in his videos and everything. Yeah, they are really awesome. And I know you also mentioned Mylian Games, him and Log. They do some really awesome content. They have the Destiny Down Under podcast, which is also really, really awesome. They've been around for quite some time as well. By... And funny, too. Pretty funny as well. Yeah, Log is hilarious. <laughs> Mylan is too, but Mylan's like that quiet, reserved, funny. Whereas yeah. Log is just in your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Log's a really great guy. And uh, didn't Mylan also contribute to the destiny grimoire anthology if i'm not mistaken yeah, he did right? he did he wrote the beginning he wrote the insert at the beginning and he helped arrange it and as well as pick out things i believe is what his mm -hmm. job was that's like pretty cool yeah. though like mm -hmm. and it... volume two is about to come out no i'm so excited i know i'm gonna pick that up that's gonna be a day one purchase for me do you know if he contributed to the second uh, volume? I believe he helped them with the arc of the different volumes. I know volume one was his first baby that he really, really pushed out. I'm not entirely certain if he had as big of a hand in volume two, but I know that he helped them with a whole lot of different things thanks to his visit to Bungie when they did the, um, what was it, the community... Summit. summit yeah because mm -hmm. he he went in there and a lot of us in the lore community helped him we gave him basically a book of things to take to them and be like here these are things we have questions about please please address them and wow. not, not just lore aspect but also things in game like this is what we'd like to see and this is the data of that he took in from people on twitter and People in the lore community and he just went in with so much stuff like such a pro and really was able to impress them to where they wanted to work with him for some more things than what he initially went for it's awesome though mm -hmm. yeah that's that's great and yeah he is he is a real inspiration him and bife in terms of their content and also what they had built in, in the form of a business it's not easy to do and i have so much respect for both of those guys so shout outs to uh Mylian and to my name is bife you guys are all incredible before we continue to the weekly update segment of the conversation i do want to ask you green what is your favorite thing about the new season of the drifter the gambit roll sets so I love my century set. I love having a role that only I can do. Really? I mean, it obviously if you have the century set on as well, you can do that Gambit Prime, but I love feeling like my my role is secure on my team because, you know, you get into those those groups where you're really you feel like you're kind of second wheel to everybody because everybody's so good. And so the roles don't seem as defined because everybody takes care of everything. That still happens, but I really love having, and I didn't pick Sentry initially. I wanted to be a Reaper, but we had somebody on our team who was also a Reaper. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll do the one role that nobody wants to do. I will <laughs> sit by the bank and I will destroy Taken as they come over. And I've really actually kind of gotten into the role because, you know, I have the ability with, 
marking the invader. So if I can see you when you first come in and I ping you with two shots with my Mita, you're going to get marked where my invader and my other people will know where you're at. And we can counter you or hide or whatever. We're going to do that round. Oh, you're running the Mita right now, huh? I am. I am running uh, Mita, Wishbringer, and Hammerhead when I go Ooh. into Gambit Prime. Now, sometimes, depending if I'm going in solo, I will run... And I can't remember the name of the sword. It's a solar sword because every taken blocker that comes over, or at least the captains, are solar shielded. So I have to run solar weapons to clear them out. Well, that makes sense. I'm working on trying to get the emblem because they have this, the... Yeah, yeah, the emblems, yeah. Mm -hmm, the specific emblem, emblems. And the sentry one is kind of a pain in the butt to get because you have to not only... Um, mark invaders, which is easy. You have to kill blockers and you have to kill taken, which is not too bad. But you also have to get the locksmith. Oh yeah, that's killing. Isn't that killing like a bunch of just killing blockers basically? It, it it's killing the last blocker at the bank each time, and you have to get okay. it like three times a match. So I really have to sit on the bank and just ping yeah. things with my with my uh, scout rifle to be able to help and. Surprisingly, I'm still able to get quite a few enemies defeated from the bank when I'm solo queuing with other people because people don't realize you can shoot from the bank and work while the collector goes and gets all the things. But yeah, Mita is, yeah. is fun. Plus I get that radar, which is important. Oh yeah, that's always good, yeah. How is it performing right now as far as like killing ads? and? Everything? It's a little weak, but it's that faster fire rate, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I really liked Nameless Midnight. That was the other one I used to run mm -hmm. a lot. That's a good one. And that one hit a tiny bit harder, but scouts have kind of been pulled back. I really, if I had my, my druthers and was able to like run whatever weapons I wanted to, I would run probably like an auto rifle submachine gun, but you can't really do that as a sentry. You could kind of do submachine gun as a sentry, but not so much because you need that special and that high impact right away. Plus right. a shotgun is so good at taking out the envoys. And they just buff shotguns too. Yes, like they the did. Rate of fire yeah. Thank God. It's about time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was needed for it sure. Was, um, Even though yeah. I still would rely on my old reliable, my Eichelos shotgun, which mm -hmm. I touched my Eichelos in such a long, like since the update with them changing, um, it's still good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still, still good. good. It's still yeah. good. It's just like it hits harder I than I found better. I found better guns, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because when I'm collector, I solo queue and gambit because I'm crazy. And oh, you um, want to know a fun fact or a fun tip? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Cold, oh, no. You know the Calistrat where you use cold heart? Oh yeah, yeah, cold heart. Yeah. It works in Gambit Prime. Ooh, I'm gonna have to try that. But yeah, because I run because right now with it being Emerald. Emerald Cove, the only choices for ads are Cabal, Fallen, and Hive, all of mm -hmm. which, at least one of their enemy types, do arc damage. Mm -hmm. So I run a Risk Runner with the Catalyst, and I just mow through everything, pick up all the moats, bank them. Oh, look, more mm -hmm. moats, pick them up, bank them, because I'm doing the same thing you're doing with the emblem. Mm -hmm. You have to bank a thousand moats, you have to bank 40 large blockers, a hundred small blockers, win matches that's pretty standard but then you have to also get um half banked 
Mm -hmm. I still have to do about 60 small blockers. I did all the large blockers this today, I guess nice. this morning, because I didn't go to bed. I just kept playing. I was like, I, I was like, I just want to finish the bounty or the thing. And then I looked at him like, I'm not going to get this done. Do you have to do the extra large blocker, the 20 pointer? That's the giant blocker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to bank that 40 times. Or I did that already. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, like, now I'm just, like, doing the small one, but the smalls don't give me half... Doing a bunch of smalls doesn't give me half bank, so I have to, like, once I'm done getting the smalls, then I'm just gonna do giant blockers, giant blockers, giant blockers, because that'll give me half yeah. bank. I'm almost not. Done. I have not encountered a giant blocker yet as a sentry. <laughs> I've been really lucky. They're scary. They're I'm scary. I'm sure. I'm sure. You, you like, know the, um, the Lake of Shadows boss? It's basically one of those. Okay. The Brachions? Yeah, the the big guy and how he has like the tether mm -hmm. and the shield and it's it's like a giant phalanx basically. Okay. That one. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's basically that and it's annoying. It's kind of a bullet sponge a little bit. Especially so is the knight. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah, like ugh. ugh. It has the giant blocker has more health a lot more health and it's just like ugh. I, I always blood. feel kinda of bad. I always feel kinda of bad when I because earlier today. You're up against a team, and we, I put, I was, I was like, oh, I just want to get the large blockers, and so I did that, I blanked three large blockers in a row, mm -hmm. and then three people on the enemy team left, and I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so it's, sorry. I'm... It's so rough. It's Between rough, Between that man. and an invader just wrecking your face every time they come yeah. over. Yeah, it's just like, and I was just so, like, it wasn't like with, like, a four stack and thing, I was just like. Just doing my thing. I'm just, I'm just banking my moats. That's all I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Doing my job. Yeah, those large blockers can be pretty rough if you're not DPSing with a team. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Shadow Price, what do you think about the new season of The Drifter? Do you have a favorite thing in the new season? Um, I also like the roles. I like I like be able to have a designated role, just like Green said and everything. I like Going in, I like invading because I play a lot of PvP. Played a lot of PvP in Destiny One, um, not as much in Destiny Two, mm -hmm. just because you know it's it's kind of different. It's a shotgun fest. Shotgun yeah. Luna's yeah. not forgotten fest. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, and and just I don't know for a little while, it PvP just there's no excitement in it. There's like no. There's no new maps. Hasn't been any new maps since Forsaken. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. I keep forgetting that. And yeah, we've we've talked about that earlier. Now, yeah. So there's a lot new. To get my kind of PvP fix that's actually kind of enjoyable, I play Gambit Prime. And everything. Nice. You know, so it's uh, you get the best of both worlds. You get PvE and PvP. So, nice. There's yeah. nothing more intimidating than seeing a whole team across from you who has the auras right now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've seen that. I I saw um a guy with an invader, a collector, and a reaper, and I'm like, well, we're gonna lose this match. There goes my win streak. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like, and as a runner up, it's the lore, just the lore that's. that's oh yeah, definitely. With this season. And everything it's uh, super interesting mm -hmm. we're gonna dive into some of that tonight yeah i have to agree on the lore part i've been really enjoying lore in destiny and finally learning more about the nine and 
for the drifter to have a bigger part in this expansion or uh, i guess seasonal update mm-hmm. it's not technically an expansion um but it's been really interesting to learn about those characters and gambit and gambit prime it's really fun i really wish we played more of the private matches i haven't really had a chance to uh play that too much since it uh, launched have you guys checked out the new gambit uh, private matches i have on the xbox side i went in with some four people we did two on two gambit which i didn't i've never until this season gone to time on a gambit match i didn't know you could Mm. until this this last season so it's like okay that was new and the primeval showing up automatically startled me but it's pretty fun. You can set up what enemies you're going up against and whatnot, and you can make a lot of different choices like you can in Crucible private matches. Uh, there's a tournament cool. being put together, I believe, Ooh. for Gambit Prime by uh, Planet Destiny. Ooh. I think they're trying yeah, to pull together cool. a, a Gambit tournament. That'd be cool. That them. sounds like fun. Right? Watch some of my friends about yeah, that and be like, hey, guys. I know you guys love Gambit Prime so much. And they're going to be like, no, why? Why do you drag us through this? I'm like, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I'd, I'd love to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. And Dark Angel, do you have any favorite thing about the new season of The Drifter for Ooh. you personally? Personally, I mean, I definitely agree. I do like the new, the lore. I do like, I definitely like the new sets that when they came out with that, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I like, I like that they're, I think so far, my favorite thing is the, um, definitely, I feel like it's kind of starting to lean more into like the RPG aspects, like feeling like our choices matter. Like in Gambit Prime, for example, if you're a dredgen, you're just like, hey, you're a dredgen, you're cool. And then, like, later in the um, Allegiance quest, he's like, oh, you snitched, you side with the Vanguard? You're a snitch. I don't like you. It's like, I don't know. I just I just like those, like, little touches because, like, they're RPG games I've played before. They would be, like, little touches, like, depending on what um, race your character was, they would make comments, which is what they're, they've done in with Forsaken launching with the Dreaming City and the Awoken and how if you're unawoken, they're like, oh, cousin. And if you're not, there, you're an outsider. I've it's... noticed that, yeah. yeah. I really cool. like that. Like, they're actually, you know, random random little tidbit. Oh, this is kind of segue. But in the Dreaming City, there was one of the um, voice lines from the Techian when you do the Oracle Engine quest, or Oracle Engine, like, weekly mission. So week, I guess, medium curse mission. That the Techian will be like, oh, yeah, some some of the... Corsairs, yeah, they they recognize you, but we're not allowed to talk about it because that's like really taboo. And just like just like those little things, like you wouldn't get probably get that dialogue if you were like a human or an exo. It's just a like, nod. Mm-hmm. I just it's like nod. those little nods to like our character choices. Like even if you're an exo yeah. and you just idly stand by Anna Bray, she'll be like, "Okay, yeah, I know you're an exo and you want answers. I I don't know. I don't know anything about your past. I'm sorry." And it's just like those little things that they're adding in here and there that like. It feels like my choice as a player, like what I'm doing, it matters, I guess. I mean, maybe not like the grand scheme of things, but like, I like having my choices being acknowledged. It makes me feel like, makes me feel good. Yeah. 
that you have purpose and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, okay, cool. I like being acknowledged. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> what about you, Corn? What's your favorite thing in the season of Drifter? My favorite thing about this season would be the lore that we're getting in the game and the cutscenes that we have with the nine. I think that yeah. it's some of the coolest stuff that we've had in the game. And finally, we get a chance to really learn about the nine who I've been really curious about since the very beginning with Trials of the Nine. Mm -hmm. And also the all of the different lore behind them. It's really cool to see all of that unfold with the invitations of the Nine that we get each and every week. And also Gambit. I really think that Gambit Prime is game-changing for Destiny. Yes. And I definitely see it being something that's around not just for one season, but something that we're going to see in future seasons getting updated with new maps and uh, additional refi refinements, I hope. So I'm really excited about that with the new season, and those are some of my favorite things about it. I'm really hoping that after this week, because I think this week is the last technical Gambit Prime map, that we get a rotation like we do in crucible because playing on the same map for an entire week gets a little rough yeah but uh what is the map on titan with the rotating platforms deep that, oh my gosh that map is so much fun that was a lot of fun i like i enjoy like I, I you know you get that rush when you're in the airport and you have those walking sidewalks mm -hmm. i felt like that every time running on those things yeah, you just running it and just launch off of it. And mm -hmm. then, like, yeah, it's awesome. There's a lot of, yeah. I think they're going to be, yeah, in a rotation, basically. They're, yeah, after that, they're going to all be in a playlist, like, and you select it, and it's going to be one of them at random. Yeah. And actually, this week's, uh, this week at Bungie, or the Bungie Weekly Update, as I like to call it, there have been some new information that was shared to us by Bungie. They did mention that the maps will be brought into a rotation. And uh, I think it's a good segue to talk about the Bungie Weekly Update for this week. And we have quite a few things that were confirmed with uh, this update. And we do have some new information about a future update that's planned in the game for April 9th, which will be the update 2.2.1. And we got a preview of that uh, update in this week's update. And also um, Iron Banner is live, of course. And we have the new uh, buffs in the game called the Iron Burden and the Wolves Favor. We also have the Wizened Rebuke curated role. If you are able to kill 500 enemies in the Crucible with the Iron Burden active, and we also have some new emblems and some new uh, skins that are available specifically for the thorn, correct? Oh yeah, that one was... Mm -hmm. I the caved bone. and I caved, I saw it, I'm like, I don't need it, I don't need it. And then I'm like, I need it. But you want it. But I need, exactly, I'm just like, but I, exactly. Did you guys pick up the new uh, thorn I did not. skin? I did not. I don't. I use Thorn more now than I did in D one, but I really haven't used it all that much. So. Yeah. Same. I I didn't buy it, but primarily because I I don't. I'm not crazy about the look. I'm sorry. 
I think that uh, the skin kind of reminds me of a, a yellowtail roll. If you eat okay. sushi, you might see a slight resemblance. But I, I actually like the look of the gun without the skin. So that's why I didn't really splurge on it this uh, time around. I think it's a nice tie into the lore a little bit, just from a different perspective. Yeah, definitely. That's the main yeah. reason why I liked, I liked it. I was like, oh, this is like a different interpretation, but still very cool. Let's continue the conversation about the weekly update. I do want to run through this before we dive into our main discussion about lore. And um, moving on, we have some information about the Corrupted Strike being available this week. So if you are trying to pursue the Dreaming City Seal, your chance is this week to complete the Corrupted Strike and obtain the applicable lore. And a Bungie was promising that more Nightfall rotation will take place to allow for a greater variety. Uh, because in the last few months, we did notice having repeating strikes over week after week, which uh, kind of takes away from the variation in the game. So they did promise to fix that in a future update. And uh, also, with the new update 2.2.1, Ada 1 will now offer all of the weapons each week, so you don't have to wait That'll for nice. a weekly rotation. Yeah, that, that's nice. So you get to pick, like, two of them, like, for powerful engrams, instead of, like, half the minute. You know, you only be able to pick from three. Like, you get, still get to pick two, but you have all the weapons at your disposal. To, you know, Reddit was so, ex like... So excited to see Hammerhead drop this week. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I got to do a little bit of that because I need a better Hammerhead because right now mine's not very good. Same. I'm going to be grinding that out uh, this weekend as well. In addition to some Iron Banner, because I do want to get that curated um, roll. That triumph um, is so hard. That triumph is so hard. Have you tried the low light level? Yeah, I've been I've been grinding out at it. I am at about 200 out of 500 thus far. My best recommendation is to go in with a pulse rifle, maybe a vigilance wing or a mm -hmm. blast furnace. That tends to work out better. Uh, I Yot definitely Yotin's pretty good too. <laughs> oh yeah, I oh. finally got my Yotin. I have I still don't what? have one. I still oh, don't goodness. have one. I okay in all clarity and all um transparency i actually was not a huge fan of black armory yeah yeah it was the forges were just i i get it i'm not a huge horde mode person which is funny because i i really like the reckoning but the tight spaces that i felt like you were putting to for the different forges i had a real hard time with yeah and so yeah. i i just never really grinded it that much and I, I have played through all the forges i still don't have izanami's burden i don't have yoten i just i can't bring myself to go back to it because i'm enjoying season of the drifter a little bit more yeah it's kind of a slug slog like playing that content especially all the stuff you had to do it's like it was kind of you know it just wasn't memorable you know and it started with the whole like cutscene corn reference it before She's like, it is all like, you know, what are you doing in here? We don't allow guardians. And then you show her like a pass. And then she's like, oh, welcome. 
<laughs> yeah. It was very unclimactic, and it was a bad way to introduce the season with really nothing there in terms of a cutscene or any kind of backstory. It was just, oh, you can't come no back. Oh, no just kidding. Yes, you can. Here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely agree on that. I think that the the best thing for me about that season was getting a blast furnace because i've had a lot of fun with with uh, that weapon also the hammerhead is really fun to mm -hmm. use as well yeah definitely it's versatile but, too but yeah i think yeah i think naobi labs was a disaster <laughs> of a launch oh, yeah. i think they learned a lot from that uh launch and i i thought it was really weird how they completely detached the whole activity from anything in the game that's relevant and then when you actually complete that really challenging puzzle you're not really rewarded where it feels like i earned something great in the game and yeah, that... i think that was kind of a missed opportunity yeah i mean like i i've done niobe labs once one singular time i mean like we tried and tried and tried and we did it eventually i'm gonna be honest i don't know how we beat it technically we shouldn't have beaten it because you know wave seven you have to shoot the specific symbols but you have to shoot them with the corresponding elements so like mm -hmm. but it, you can't see the symbol so you have to look like for the bow ones you have to look at the bow okay i'm looking at this one and then switch to something else and then shoot it and then so we did that i i did my thing my um friend uh archer g man he did his and then my friend glow stick he did his nothing happened we're like okay one of us messed up again we did it again we we knew we were gonna die like really soon and the shitty thing is i felt like it would be a little bit more i felt like it should be a little bit more forgiving maybe because then you have because if you die in that you start all the way back at wave one Mm -hmm. it's not like oh you're at wave six you just have to do wave six kind of like ep you just have to do wave six and then wave seven and then you're there no all the way back at the beginning which is really frustrating but i died and then glow stick died and then the explosion thing went off but g-man didn't die and then he put in his code and then we won and we're just like we're not gonna question it but we shouldn't have gotten that and that's the only time i've ever done it i've never done it since it was stressful and nerve-wracking and different I, I feel like if they hadn't had said anything about it and just you know left it as like a raid secret kind of thing kind of like the whisper thing the whisper mission how that just kind of showed up that was like the consensus on reddit for a lot of people too but Bungie's, yeah. the one thing i love about the way that bungie has developed this game is that they try all sorts of different things with it and oh, some yeah. things go over Definitely. well and some things don't and yeah. the nice thing is, is they're constantly learning as a as a developer and as a as their own group. They're learning not only the marketing aspect, but also the and especially if you remember around that same time that Niobe Labs dropped, that's when the announcement about Activision happened. Yeah, so happened there was a there was a lot of things going on. Now, granted, Niobe Labs was probably still under the umbrella when Activision was working with them. But, yeah, Vicarious Visions worked on mm -hmm. that. That was but, revealed. Which, granted, Vicarious Vision has done some amazing stuff. Like, the whole Sleeping Beauty um, Lake trail thing with the Rasputin co code from when you went into Rasputin and you saw that and Raid Secrets figured that out. I don't know. If oh, yeah, definitely. 
And they've done yeah. some amazing things for the game as far as like hidden secrets and stuff like that. Yeah, they're right up the road from us in, in Albany, nice. New York. So nice. Yeah. But yeah, it was just there was a lot of things going on, and I'm sure Bungie will take from it lessons learned and move on, and maybe they'll make mistakes and try it a different way, and yeah. it'll just continue to grow. Yeah, and and you know I think for me the redeeming quality about the last season was actually the Scourge of the Past Raid, which I think they did a really nice job with that. It felt very unique. It didn't feel like a extremely long raid once you actually raid. figured out the mechanics. It was very fun and, and yes. different, especially how you're put in this city where you have to travel from one end to another and kill different bosses and stand on plates. It was really cool how that developed, and then also the the flaming fire that you have to all like speed through. The sparrow race. Oh my god, that's like the longest part of the entire raid. If you don't have people who are really good at racing and dodging, and it just brought back that SRL fill that I. That's the thing is that's what I was just about to say. Like, and now everybody's saying, "Where's SRL?" Uh huh. Because we want it now. Yeah, it's like, you're giving us this, you know, this is obviously a tease, you know. Maybe. Yeah. Because the Community Summit, they asked if you if you had uh, the option between SRL back or a new game mode, which would you choose? And everybody at the summit basically said new game mode. So it may come back. It may not, because we got Gambit out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things like, you kind of give and take. They've got it. They have limited amount of resources, and hopefully, hopefully, we get SRL back or get something like it. But you never know. Yeah, and I, I think the when they they first introduced Gambit to the very first focused group that they had back in April of I want to say 2017 is when they did their first um, community event, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was last year. Oh, was it last year? I'm sorry, it was 2018. We were able to play it at Guardian Con last year. And then there was one event before that you were able to play it at. And I think it was one of, was it one of the PAXs or? That was one of the PAXs. It was PAX West because that's where I got six emblem codes for my raid group. Because it was kind of funny because I kept, I wanted to play through all of the subclasses, all of the new, because they had the new subclasses there as well. I was like, oh, I want to try out this and I'll try out that. And so I went through. I remember I was in the last group of the day when I did my last one. And I was a Titan and I invaded and I killed the entire enemy team. And one of the developers was on the other side because they had four monitors or a bunch of monitors on one side. Then the enemy team would obviously be on the other side. So you could like look them in the eyes as you kill them. It was so funny. But one of the devs, he was on the other side and he saw someone wiped the whole team and he just looks over and it's like that was you wasn't it and i'm like me no i don't know what you're talking about but it was because i had like hung out with them basically throughout the whole day because i would get in line because i wanted to get the codes because i said i I was surprising like my raid team with them because they were like really excited for gambit and whatnot nice yeah yeah they're all of the developers at bundy they're so nice Mm mm-hmm yeah, they're a really good group. And uh, real quick, I do want to give a shout out to one of the devs who will be leaving Bungie this week, oh, Josh, Josh Hamrick. 
Yeah. That's uh, pretty sad to hear that he'll be leaving. And he actually worked on Skyrim Special Edition, and he also had a big part in uh, Halo Reach as well. And that's my favorite Halo game. So it's pretty sad. After 10 years, he'll be leaving the company this week. Uh, but we do wish him well, and uh, we hope that uh, whatever his next project is, uh, is as successful as this one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so let's continue the conversation about the weekly update. We do have some quality of life changes that are promised with future updates in Destiny as we uh, continue with annual pass in the game. And with update 2.2.1, we did get a preview. As we did mention before, the update will be launching on April 9th. And the following changes were confirmed by Bungie in this week's update. They will be increasing the drop rates of the ghosts, the ships, and the sparrows, either doubling, tripling, or more, depending on the activity that you're playing. And that will be taking place in the Last Wish Raid and in the Dreaming City. So that will help for anyone chasing after the lore to, um, rather the seals, mm -hmm. it'll help you to get those completed with the new change with this update. Um, also, 1,000 voices, which I still do That's not have. Uh, full disclosure on that. There will be a slightly higher drop rate, but it's still going to remain rare. Huh. So, I, I feel like it maybe should... I wouldn't say keep it rare, but like cause one of my like best friends, he's done Last Wish, what, like 65 times now? Still no 1K? At this yeah. point, he's, he's like... I don't really see the point in doing it anymore, even after the update, because it's like, yeah, that helps a little bit, but like, it's like, uh, you know? Here's the problem, though. The gun is incredibly overpowered. And yeah. the only reason they haven't had to nerf it is because not many people have it yet. True, true. Because if you go into Gambit with the 1,000 oh, yeah, voices, you can wreck another team continuously because it is the laser pointer of death. More so than laser Seeker pointer was. of death. You don't even I have like to the hit them. That. Yeah. You don't even have to hit them. Yeah, you just paint the wall next to them and they explode. So it's, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're going to continue to make it a rare weapon. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely be. think it should be. I definitely think it still should be rare, but... I just think it's a little unfair for people who have done the raid, like, you know, 60, 80, you know, an excessive amount of times and still don't have it. I don't know. But I also think it's, I wouldn't say fair, but I feel like there needs to be, like, almost some sort of, I wouldn't say, like, a... Quest? I wouldn't say quest, but, like, um... Triumph, you shouldn't. Maybe? You shouldn't. You you shouldn't get it on your first run, but you definitely should have it by, like, your, I don't know, 30th? or something like some like range because i don't know i just it always makes me kind of mad when people get like an ex a raid exotic on their first time when you've been doing it a lot and it's like ugh, okay i don't know I, just, I, I, I still i still don't have anarchy and i've done that raid a lot i've gotten tired of scourge of the past a little because i i do it every week and i'm like oh no anarchy yeah i've ran last wish raid at least 40 times now, and I still don't have a thousand voices. Ugh. 
So I would just I... honestly hoard your keys up until the, after the update, because maybe with that increase of drop rate, you might get it. You can only do it up to five, I think. After five, yeah. you there is a way to get more by putting more in your postmaster. You can stack up to five, I believe, in the postmaster. So technically, you can stack up to ten. But I may do that, or I may take my chance this week three more times. Yeah, that's kind of what my, my friends are doing. They're like, I, was, I told them about the update and everything, and they're like, eh, I could save up my keys, or I could try this week. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's good to see that they're slightly increasing the drop rates. I personally don't have a problem with the, the weapon being rare. It yeah, almost I don't feels either. like a Gallarhorn. I mean, it took me yeah, definitely. months to get a Gallarhorn. So I would hate for them to devalue the weapon and just make it where, and you get a thousand voices, mm -hmm. and you get a thousand voices, and you get a thousand voices. Yeah, that would just... Ugh, everybody yeah, has exactly. it, and it's not special. Definitely. You have to, like, thing. balance it. Yeah. I never actually got Gallarhorn until Zer sold it. Never I got it. I got mine the first time I ran it. Ran the uh, Dark Below raid, I believe. Oh, I, never got, I love that raid. Yeah, I never ran, I never got Vex class, even though I ran Atheon quite a bit, but I got Gallahorn the first time. I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm set. I'm fine. That's it. You're mm -hmm. dead to me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. So let's let's continue the conversation about the weekly update. We have some changes happening with the Invitation of the Nine. Um, currently, players must complete Invitation of the Nine by Tuesday in order for the new Invitation to appear the following Friday. Post-update 2.2.1, players will have until Thursday reset at 10 a.m. I would imagine that would be Pacific time to complete the invitation before it uh, resets. Or... I'm assuming that's bungee time, which is always Pacific yeah. Standard Time. Yeah. And then they're also making some slight changes to the Nightfall Power Handicap. Uh, you will have an additional plus 25 uh, after this new update for the Max Handicap, and there will also be a button added to automatically take you to that Max Handicap without having to... That's, um, a, that's a nice little quality of life thing. Yeah, I think that's a that good... That would have been annoying because you'd have to like click and click and click. Click 125 times? Click. click. Yeah. Click, click. What, what, what my friends and I do was we always have one of us set with like a speed run set for a modifier. Then another person always set to be like the max modifier if we're going for that 100,000 or 100k run. So instead of us like click, 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 we're just like, okay, you have the speed run one, right? And I'd be like, yeah. So then they'd make me fire team leader and then we would just go. So it makes it a little, that's a little bit better instead of having to like rely on that kind of stuff. You can just be like, boop. All right, let's go. Yeah, I think it's a nice quality of life change. And of course, okay. next week we're getting the arc week is, is coming. Ooh, and... We haven't heard really much about that, have we? They, they did confirm, actually, that we're going to hear a lot more about it in the next update, which will be next Thursday. Right. So next Thursday, we're going to learn more about it. And it will be launching on April 9th. Nice. So that's, that's really cool. And um, what do you guys think? 
arc week will entail. Do you guys think it's going to be kind of like what we had with faction rallies or what do you envision this being? Mm, I have honestly no idea. No idea. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I, I mean, like it'd be one thing if there was an arc week, a solar week and a void week, but the fact that there's just an arc one is kind of different, I guess. Hmm. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, we might see a those other two types of weeks, Void and Solar, but I mean, there's the possibility of enemies being just ridiculous. There might be a thing about Risk Runner running yes. rampant everywhere. I mean, there's oh there's a lot of different like lore things they could bring in if they're actually going to tie that in because there's the um, the Fulminator from the Callus Shadows. Oh yeah, that's Although, right. She was a being created entirely of arc. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different things they can bring into the gameplay itself rather than just being all arc modifiers during your different things, whether it's strikes or Gambit Prime or Reckoning or anything like that. It'd be interesting to see if they buff arc or anything, because arc strider is kind of an unutilized subclass right now as far as hunter goes as well as i would say chaos reach is still a little weak too yeah. as far as being used in some of the different things besides pvp yeah i'm i'm actually wondering if they would possibly reintroduce the infinite forest in some ways because we had a we had a really interesting Halloween event that I thought was actually pretty fun mm -hmm. and had oh, yeah. a lot of potential. So I'm wondering if we could potentially see some kind of a integration of the Infinite Forest with Arc Week. That would be a pretty interesting thing for them to do. That's coming and... in for the revelry. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, revelry. Interesting. Okay. Well then, I guess we can count that out. That's going to be coming with Revelry. Well, we'll see, right? Mm -hmm. We'll find out next week. And then we have a few more things with this week's update. They did have a security update that they talked about players being banned for using aimbots. Uh, they did note that players using aimbots will no longer be wel welcome in the Destiny universe, and they will take action to ban players for using uh, cheating mechanics. I kind of don't, I mean, like, I like the RNG lore, but then I also don't, like, with Thorn, for example, oh my god, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm pretty much, whenever I'm doing Reckoning or Blind Well or anything that's like a horde mode kind of thing, I'm forcing myself to use Thorn to try and get the lore. I've only gotten one page so far. Dang. Okay, so you have to get the kills in, it's not only PvP, correct? You can get kills in you PvE You can get them in PvE. Well. I was doing Blind Well and I got my first one. So I was okay. like, kill, kill, kill. And PvP it's not like a set number of kills. But yeah, I think PvP is like a higher chance or something. How, much, how many entries for that lore book are there? There are nine, I think. Eight? Oh. Hold on, I'll check. Google is my friend. Or what's my Escalation phone? protocol is always a good one to run. Oh, yeah. You I have all the, the thrall at the beginning, first wave. Yeah, that's true. I might do that. I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about just going into the Whisper mission since I said I would do that once I reach 700 just to get all the lore because I'm, I pretty much am, um, I mean, I'm only, the only lore I don't have, I don't have all of the, 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 uh, invitations of the 9-1. I mean, technically you could 
I wouldn't say it's an exploit, but it is an exploit. No, it's using They're it on. Not meant to, but you're not supposed to get multiple books per week. Or okay, that, pages. That's what I thought. That, that that's because one of my one of my friends he's doing that. He's doing the bounties on all three characters, and now mm -hmm. he has like seven or six out of the nine. And I'm like, I'm just that you know, two or what, however many yeah. we're supposed to have. Because I'm like, that feels kind of wrong. Two. I mean, two. <laughs> yeah, two or whatever. But yeah, because yeah, the thing that um, there was a big old hubbub that happened back right when. Uh, Forsaken dropped and the Truth to Power books became available oh, yeah. in the API, the bunch of the writers got really upset because Truth to Power in particular is the book, the lore cards you get for going and visiting Mara. Mm. And yeah. they were all made available for data miners and Ishtar Collective right off the bat. And they Ishtar was super good and awesome about redacting them, essentially. You can still technically find them on Ishtar, but you have to search for them specifically. You can't just search for the book the power, or, yeah. or anything like that. But a lot of the writers got really upset because their thing that one of their tools is the time-gated release of the information. Yeah. That's how, why everyone got really excited about the Thorn Quest, because you didn't find out until the very end that... Rezal Azir, this great old hero, was Dredgen Yor. And so it's yeah. taking away their power in that respect. So for me, personally, I am not grinding all three characters to get all the Yeah, neither am I, neither wants. am I. Because, like, that just kind of seems um, yeah. a little disrespectful to the art, to the writers themselves. Because that's mm -hmm. not how that's the story is supposed to go. Right. Yeah, I don't think acquiring a story in a game should require for you to grind endlessly. I think there are things that should be locked behind that wall, but I don't think lore and story should be one of those things. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. It's just like, I don't know. I wish it was more consistent, especially with the Thorn lore. Because like some people are like, oh, every 500 kills, that's when you get it. And I, I wouldn't say like I roughly kept track but i kind of i would do a thing where i would go into like a mission and then i'd get a bunch of kills then i'd die like okay i got that many kills and i would just keep doing that until like about a bunch and i'm like okay i should be getting a lore soon and then nothing happened i was so like that's okay. why you said you needed five thousand kills with that yep. with the thorn okay yep. you need like a lot the person who got the full lore book had to get 6,440 exactly to get the whole lore book. But, like, wow. he just went into the uh, Whisper mission and just kind of farmed the hive, not the hive, the Shadow Throck in that one, the green room. That's mm -hmm. what everyone called it, the green room. So you don't, you don't have to just kill hive, you can kill, like... You can kill anything, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. I uh, didn't think about that. Uh, but I will definitely grind out for it um i i don't know if i'm gonna do that immediately i have a lot of things i'm working on right now yeah, yeah, definitely, trying definitely. to get through the allegiance quest line and now we have iron banner trying to grind out for those 500 kills to get the wizened rebuke those um, are final kills right that's not assist yeah. you have to get final hits final um, blow kills players that have a hundred power uh, above you yeah mm-hmm so yeah they they make it a little bit sweaty but it's it's not too bad if you keep your distance i definitely would not engage with any guardians you know close combat because if they punch you you're gonna die mm -hmm. uh, you're also a lot sweatier so i 
don't recommend a hand cannon. I do have a Luna's Howl. It didn't work too well. I've been using the Blast Furnace, and I've been using Vigilance Wing to get the most of my kills, and it, it should work if you keep your distance and just keep shooting at their face. You'll get it. It kind of feels like the Division <laughs> a little bit when you're uh, shooting at Guardians because you have to shoot mm -hmm. so many times to get that kill with the uh, power advantage. But uh, it's it's definitely manageable. Um, and I, I do want to quickly go over a few more things here with this update. Uh, we do have some Gambit matchmaking updates incoming with new data that uh, Bungie has collected since the last update. So they are promising improvements to the matchmaking system. They also have a Bungie bounty that will be taking place next week on the 2nd of April. And it's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So it's 1 o'clock Eastern time. And we'll be facing against Cosmo and a select group of developers at twitch.tv forward slash Bungie. So do check that out. And then the Destiny player support did have a few updates. Of course, we have the new Iron Banner that's live. Uh, there are a couple of issues that they mentioned. One was with the weight of the guild emblem, which doesn't uh, properly display the cost, which is 40 Iron Banner tokens. And also the Iron Ruby shader isn't dropping in the game for some players. Uh, in addition to the Invitations of the Nine being delayed if you do not complete it by a specific date and time. But also we have Gambit Prime uh, private matches will be introduced into the game on, on uh, April 2nd as well. And that's pretty much the weekly update. And we do have a tradition on the show. We rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls between one and five. One being pretty crappy and five being awesome. And in traditional form, we will rate the weekly update. Um, Shadow Price, do you want to kick things off? Uh, yeah, two and a half. Half of it was good because there was a sweet wallpaper that I kind of snagged on there that I made my background on my PC. Interesting. Uh, I will have to check that out. I am going to give this update a... Three bars. Three three point five out of five. I think that there were some positive changes that are coming to the um, RNG with the drops from the Dreaming City and the Last Wish raid. And I think that it's it's great that they're continuing to update the game. And they did reveal to us that we will learn more about arc week next week so i think those were all positive things that they mentioned so i'll give it a 3.5 out of 5 and the dark angel your thoughts on this update uh, i mean i liked it i mean they the fact that they're like acknowledging the drop rate of some of the cosmetic items finally i think that's pretty good that they're like hey we're gonna increase that a little bit that was pretty good and then the um, talking about some of the um like some of the stuff that's coming in the april update i thought it was pretty good and the stuff with the cheating i guess using aimbots that's also good but like you said the wording about how they 
said in PV against AI, and that's, I wouldn't say a little worrisome, but I don't know. It might, because I know they haven't banned people before for, like, doing the Riven exploit, or cheese. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they started banning people for that, yeah. I think a good 75% of the community would be banned, because like I've tried teaching some of my clan members, hey, you want to do it legit? And then they're like, I don't want to. It's too mm -hmm. long. And I'm like, okay, we'll just do cluster bombs. Or in this case, now we use prospector. Yeah. But prospector. <laughs> yeah. Really? I haven't seen any. I haven't been oh paying attention God. to the raid stuff when it comes to that. But yeah, prospector. In a while, it's mm -hmm. hilarious. Really? Yeah. If you do the same strat, so if you have like a well and then we have instead of having a titan do melting point we have um a banner shield okay with tractor cannon so they tractor i mean you could do it with edge transit too because edge transit probably would be better because it's tr edge transit's a void with hmm. yeah it, it works make sure the warlock's using uh luna faction boots but it just yeah boop like we kind of did it as a joke we're like oh let's just see how much damage it does i mean we know Grenade launchers got buffed, right? And and we we killed Riven, and we're just like, wait, why? Now if you're wearing reserves, you get 17 shots. In the yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of like, eh, Prospector. It's pretty. Good. If you were to rate this update between one and five, how would you rate it, Dark Angel? Yeah, I'd probably do a three and a half, four, like kind of in the middle middle range, because like there wasn't really anything i mean yes the confirmation of when we're getting the dreaming city updates was good that was kind of really at least in my opinion the only like good thing everything else was kind of it didn't really apply to me because like i don't really do iron banner i don't really i don't cheat so i'm not like oh no they're gonna catch me like i don't know in my in my opinion i, th I thought it was kind of i i did when i first read i was like okay sweet dreaming cities cosmetics scroll 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 okay like, that was really it for me, in my opinion. So I would do, like, a three. Cool. And Green, how would you rate this weekly update between one and five spicy tuna rolls? I'm actually going to go on the same level as Shadow and go two and a half for one reason in particular. I'm grateful that they're addressing the drop rates. I'm grateful that a lot of the quality of life stuff they're doing. But... The continued ignoring of the Crucible status yes. and everything going on in Crucible, especially with Josh leaving this last week. Josh had a good hand in what was going on in Crucible sometimes. And so I think leaving that out in TWAB or this week at Bungie or whatever you're going to call it is not reassuring to the people who play a lot of PvP. And I actually enjoy PvP when I, I was... Totally agree. So that's why I'm going to give it a little bit lower rate as far as spicy tuna rolls, just because I want to hear them talk about what's coming in Crucible, because a lot of the community needs to hear that. Yeah, the continued neglect of PvP right now is just like, yeah, it's just, it's not good. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I think that it almost feels like they're abandoning Crucible, at least for the time being, and it definitely needs more frequent updates in my opinion mm -hmm. i think that what they currently have given us thus far is not enough right it's pretty much one pinnacle weapon and iron banner that feels a little bit better than what i expected because right. i did not expect to get new armor at the very least we did get that mm -hmm. um 
And I do enjoy the fact that each of his bounties gives you a powerful weapon or powerful, powerful engram. And I, there are some things that they did right with Iron Banner this time. The bounties yeah. with the powerful engrams. I think the 100 light level change is really interesting. And it forces you to think outside of the box for those who are not your typical, like, just go in, do the bounties and leave. You can actually grind for something. I think that's clever. But I, I want more. I want some more when it comes to actual PvP, not Iron Banner, not Power of Matters. More maps, more game modes, more, you know, yeah. things like that, you know. Something. It's like, it makes you wonder where is the PvP team? Are they all invested in Gambit right now? Are all the big people that were in PvP involved? Are they all onto like the stuff we're getting in September and Destiny Three? Like Derek Carroll, I looked at his Twitter today and he's like working on secret stuff at Bungie, so you know he's working on Destiny Three mm-hmm. and everything. So it, it almost yeah. makes me wonder if they will pretty much let Crucible be what it is until the next destiny is out uh because maybe they feel like they can't make any significant changes that the players want like things like dedicated servers or well, to introduce changes that are important too and they're oh, I, I agree they're changing that like they're doing a fairly decent job of working on that you just need them you need them just as frequently though like as they're doing them now like yeah monthly would be nice yeah, I, I think not having new Crucible maps definitely is a negative thing for Crucible players. I also think that not having any kind of activity like trials in the game, that is also something that is affecting the community yeah, in a negative way. I so I do hope they consider that with uh, future updates, and I hope that Trials does come back, hopefully by next season, if not by then, and hopefully by this fall. That would be um, nice for them to do. Um, so yeah, so I think we covered quite a bit with the weekly update. And let's move on and talk about the Drifter, the Dredgen. And there's some really interesting lore that was introduced with this new season of the Drifter. Before the launch of this new content, we did get a number of narrative previews from Bungie. Mm-hmm. And there was one that was very interesting with the Praxic Order. And I'd like to start the conversation by sharing the passage from this narrative that kind of sets the sets the tone of what's happening with the Drifter and who may be trying to get rid of him from the tower. And there's some interesting decisions that we are faced with during the Allegiance quest that tests our allegiance to either the Vanguard or, or I should say what appears to be the Vanguard or the Drifter. And it starts with the following. Warlock Anur Mahal brushed past a maintenance worker in an orange vest, emptying a trash can into a large plastic bag. The door to the consensus closed heavily behind her. The Vanguard and representatives from various city factions had gathered around a massive table. Cade's seat was empty. The Drifter poses no immediate threat to the population, Zavala was saying to the consensus as Anner approached. Therefore, the motion to grant him a more permanent lease... My order disagrees, she cut 
in fiercely. Zavala turned with a slight incline of his head. He gestured from her to the rest of the group. This is Warlock Anur representing the Praxic Order. I have papers to file, so I'll make this short, she said. If the Vanguard is willing, the Praxic Order would like to exercise the Drifter from the city immediately. We'll do it ourselves. Zavala turned to look at her. The Praxic opinion is noted, but the city welcomes all guardians. He is no guardian, said Anner. The city welcomes all of humanity who is willing to stand in defense of the city. Commander, with due respect, you asked the Order to have a voice in this discussion. She looked Zavala in the eyes and swept her gaze around the table to address the consensus and Ikora. The Praxic Order has existed since the founding of the city to keep artifacts of the darkness out of the Guardian's hands. In her opinion, the Drifter represents a great threat to our people as Gaul or other taken king. Go on, girl, Executor Hideo said, steepling his fingers. She is no girl, Ikora hissed. Anner ignored both of them, continuing... The Drifter has convinced the Guardian population to use the Taken as a weapon, to murder Guardians. There have been no final deaths, said Zavala. That we know of, Anner replied. You're allowing the man to normalize interaction with the Taken. Ikora and Zavala shared a look. The past few months, the Praxic Order has seen a historic number of Guardians go rogue. Rogue? Rogue? What is rogue? Arich Jalal said. Everyone is a rogue now. It's a fashionable thing to be a rogue. You'll see in my report, Anner said. Some have adapted the name Dredgen. You, you want my professional opinion? Ideas are powerful things, and the drifter has too many. Broad the travesty, he calls a ship, and throw him in an airlock before the city sees another dark age. The vanguard and the consensus looked at her in silence. I have paperwork to file, she said again, turning around. You know where my office is. As she left, she saw the same maintenance worker had fallen asleep in the entranceway, hat over his eyes, leaning against a trash can. She narrowed her eyes, and that is how the story began with the Praxic Order. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? <laughs> well, there's a lot to the story that you don't get in that initial break, or that initial rundown. There's so much to the story you don't get. So yeah. uh, the Praxics in general are generally a group of warlocks who whose creed suggests that they should stop worrying about the nature of the darkness and focus on resisting and defeating it. That's from the original Grimoire card back in D1, Vanilla, The Darkness, and it's towards the bottom of the card. So the Praxics themselves, they don't, their philosophy is we don't need to understand it if we can beat it kind of thing. And so the whole idea of honor being very interested in drifter and what he's doing and trying to stop him is very par for the course for the praxics it does not surprise me in the least bit now granted honor is not exactly the most um 
clean cut when it comes to the Praxic. She's kind of gone behind people's backs a few different times, apparently. Uh, she is also part of Icor's Hidden. And so we not only learned about how she was doing field reports for the, uh, the Hidden and her reports, uh, one of the reports Icora does mentions how she literally took it upon herself to study Drifter. Like no one told her to do this. No one told her to figure out what was going on with them. She just went and did it herself. And she gets a little verklempt about the whole situation. Then you get the whole aspect of the, the book that of honor, essentially. And granted, I'm saying it like the word honor, H-O-N. It's A-U-N, honor, if we're going to be like really finicky about it. But it's hard to remember to say it that way. But she... She takes it upon herself. She bugs his apartment and learns about all these different things. Drifter, yes, Drifter is playing with fire like Drifter always does. But she's kind of dug into trying to figure out what he's doing, why he's doing it, and still not getting a whole lot more than what she expected. But she's also... I don't know. I'm glad she apologizes at the end. Let me just say that as far as being a drifter apologist. Was... Yeah. And she's Go pretty on. adamant that drifter... Or your mic's gotten out. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she is pretty adamant that the drifter is not to be trusted. Mm -hmm. yeah. She has an issue with him uh, using the darkness, and she claimed that he was pretty much a threat, just like the Taken King, and just like uh, Oryx and any raid boss that we encounter. So she's very much against him, along with the Praxic Order. And I don't blame her. I actually don't trust Drifter either. I don't think many people should. And if you do trust Drifter, good on you. Um, read the book, The Man With No Name, and learn that he will backstab you and, yes. and use you. Yes. Um, there's a whole passage, which I think is amazing, where he literally cons Ephrodi into taking care of his... Um, his basically his trash. There were some other warlords that came to the bottom of Felwinter's Peak, and apparently Drifter may have owed the money or something like that. And Ephrodite shows up just at the most appropriate times and takes care of them, gets rid of the warlords. And Drifter yeah, he definitely um, is a manipulative person. Oh, certainly. Says say so the least he's always out for his best interests i mean he doesn't really i mean from with the iron with his experience with the iron lords and the warlords fighting and that um small town that or i guess village slash town that he was in and then got destroyed from the infighting between not infighting from the fighting between the warlords and the iron lords i mean 
I don't really blame him for being so distrusting of other guardians. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, like, it's been, what, a really long time? Like, maybe he should slowly learn to trust people, but I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I guess. I I don't expect him to change. I don't. Yeah, ex- me neither. I don't, I don't think he should change. I think his character... Yeah, his character char- is good. Yeah. Characters having flaws is important to a story, and Drifter's flaw is what got us this whole Gambit thing and the hall and everything going on with the Nine. Basically, we have partially Drifter to thank for the Nine being so interactive with us at this point because of yeah, everything that got... Um, that Him learning how to build the bank to store these dark moats, to call the Ascendant... Now, granted, we also learned recently that the orcs, the shadow, the echo of orcs, is not really the shadow or echo of orcs. It is a construct built out of the dark moats that he is able to create with just his will. So in some ways, Drifter is a really, almost a cooler version of um, Green Lantern with the dark moats. Yeah, definitely. So he's able to manipulate and not only people but also take advantage of the system that he has to work with when it comes to the darkness and the granted technically darkness is a term of whatever we're not using it anymore Bungie they're still using it they're yeah they're still using it they just said they weren't going to use it but um not only was he able to manipulate and dive into the ascendant realm and he's also supposedly gotten other golden age tech from out by the Jovians. Like he went out there and found things and that's how he drew the attention of the Nine initially. And then once he drew their attention, the Nine decided to gift him with the Hall, which is the Ascendant Realm type, or not Ascendant Realm, the, what is it? The unknown space is what it's technically called. The big ball of ice attached to his ship. But I mean, Drifter is very pivotal, not only in this season, but I expect to be in seasons to come because of how much the Nine are pivotal within so much of what's going on. Because the Nine are working with Mara, the Nine are working with Drifter. If the Nine start working with Callus, I'm going to probably like eat a frog or something like that because I'm just, I'm a little leery about the Nine getting hooked up with him. Because I don't trust Callus more than I don't trust Drifter. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, Callus is definitely looking out for himself and doesn't really care about. It. He's more in love with our power than actually wanting to help us as a species. Yeah, it almost feels like he's just toying with us and playing with us and using us as his grand experiment. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, everybody's definitely. using us. Everybody's playing with us. Pretty yeah. much. We're, Drifter's doing we're that. We're told to jump and That's we say how high. Drifter's doing so, that too. Yeah. So is Mara. I mean, the only yeah. reason Mara is able to visit anybody in her throne realm or her new pocket throne realm is because the Guardians, they built the confluence. They built the blind well to harvest Guardian light. The funny thing yeah. is, is... Drifter is doing the same thing, but he's doing it with modes of darkness, which is the combination of guardian light and the darkness, quote unquote, from the enemies. And so 
they're doing the exact same thing. They're charging something up. We know kind of what Mara is doing hers for. We don't know why a drifter is collecting as many moats as he is, because he doesn't need that many moats to a summon a single entity. Because like if a you remember, super weapon of some mm, sort. Huh? Or an army, which is one of the fears that somebody mentioned in lore. Now, I can't remember which card that one was from, but... It... <sighs> Drifter is amassing something. He's got plans for something. We don't know what yet, but he's planning something. He always is. Now, would you guys say that he's acting on his own behalf? There's somebody who he is representing or working alongside with. I think the Nine are using him as much as he's using us. I don't know if they're working together, per se. Yeah, I agree. He said he's seen the next collapse, and Mara's awful is also hinted at it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we Which, are going to see another collapse. Like hopefully. I, I like how hopefully. Like I think so. I think it would be awesome if we saw another yeah. one. Because Drifter, Drifter is from the Dark Age. Drifter was initially res right after, or at least what we can assume to be right after Guardians started to really come to light. He's one of the oldest, quote-unquote, risen that we know of, that we talk yeah, to. And so having Drifter as a character who has lived through the Dark Ages, has gone through um, a lot of the Warlord stuff with the Iron Lords, it'll be interesting to have him as possibly another ally. Yeah, definitely, because we'll get his perspective. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is that Drifter is no longer a, a well, you use the term Dredgen, technically, he is named Dredgen Hope, which is ironic. Um, he is also not a Dredgen, per se. He's a former Shadow yeah, of definitely. Yore. And so the whole philosophy with the, the Shadows of Yore comes into play with the fact that the Shadows are working to train people to Basically, for lack of better terms, and I know you might you may get a little hate mail for this, but basically, be gray Jedi's to be able to utilize both sides of the force. Yeah, that, that I think that's a pretty accurate sentiment. Like they want to basically be in that grayish area, not too far on the light, not too far on the dark, kind of in this middle gray. So mm-hmm. a gray Jedi, I think, I think that's an accurate. Um, well, a lot of people will tell you there's no such thing as Grey Jedi. Yeah. Which is where true. you'll get the flack from. So true, true. Shadows, they they want to walk that line. They want people to go and do that. But they also are going to, like Shin has always done and probably will always continue to do, put down people who go too far to one side. Yeah. Because if, if you go too dark, Shin, the man with the golden gun, the myth, the man, the legend, will come and he will hunt you down. Yeah. Now, talk about a master manipulator. That was probably the biggest, like, head jolt I've had in Destiny in a long time. The fact that Shin Malfur is also a shadow of your... Yeah, I literally... Yeah, I remember I read that, and I was like, no way. No Mm -hmm. way. This... No. No. This is... This this can't be. I mean, that's like... Almost we did have hints. We did I mean, have yeah, hints. We did but... have hints, but I was like, 
Yeah, because I remember reading on Reddit there was a post where someone was looking at the very like word choice of the um the men the renegade lore book and the um mm-hmm. the one you get the other thorn one the word choice in them were very very similar. I mean, I noticed that, but I'm like, I I, I had had well, having he also seen never that explicitly calls out that he is not. He always oh. leaves it open ended. True, so, that's very true. So it's like, uh, yeah. That reveal was incredibly important as far as our understanding of the mythology of the Vanguard and what the Vanguard yeah, pushed. True. And so the Vanguard knew. That's the other fun thing. The Vanguard knew about Shin. But they utilized Ooh. the story of the Golden Gun or the man with the Golden Gun to create the the hard line of the light bearer the man with the light versus yeah. the evilness and the stories of the shadows because what has the tower always done the tower has always bucked against strong ideas they kicked yes. osiris out they had kicked i mean tolan was basically exiled even though he was just, he just decided to walk off on his own like and, bye mm-hmm. but yeah yeah and then when Osiris left, did Insane 14 leave mm-hmm. after that too? So. Insane 14's was Insane 14's was kind of a I love that comic. I know people hate the comics but I loved that comic because I love the, the conversation between Osiris and Saint 14 is literally a yeah. fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like how much more Titan can you become? Mm-hmm. Let me have a conversation with you with my fist. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty great. Drifter is an interesting character. He will, I think he will continue to be an interesting character. I think he'll be less pivotal in some respects. Like right now, he is like the hub of everything going on, obviously, in Season of the Drifter because it's it's his story. Yeah. Right. But I think his story will be less about him going forward and more about those around him. Yeah, he's kind of setting the stage for Mm -hmm. things to happen. Right. And he's utilized other people before. He's using us. He utilized Joxer, poor guy. Yeah. Now, who is Joxer? And what is his relationship with the Drifter? So Joxer is initially our very first card with Joxer is has to do with the great hunt of the Ahamkara. So Joxer was the basically Aaron boy in some respects in that card. And it's, I can't remember if it's from the helm or from which card within it specifically, but he, he goes to the Awoken in the reef during the great hunt. And you have to remember the reef were not super involved with it. They really didn't, they didn't want to get involved obvious for obvious reasons, partially because of Riven, partially because of the Awoken, or not the Awoken, the Ahamkara being tied to them as as intricately as they have been. Now Joxer shows up at the reef and gets a box full of long rifles that are given to them by the queen and with one stipulation, you have to give them back at the end. Which Joxer immediately kind of goes downtrodden a little bit because, you know, Guardians want to keep their loot. Want to keep a lot of cool loot? Yeah, I get that. 
So that's the first impression we get of him. Then we got more information about him from the Apocalypse set, which is the set you get from playing Gambit. And the Apocalypse set, he is essentially a guard, and hes I guess he's just constantly being an errand boy for somebody. First time was for Zavala in the Great Hunt, and granted Zavala was not commander-in-chief at that point during the Great Hunt, but he was the errand boy getting the guns for Guardians at that point. In the Apocalypse set, he is guarding essentially a train that has something on it. Mm-hmm. It's never quite stated what it is. But him and another Titan by the name of Redrix, which Redrix, yeah, sound familiar. Regarding this, this her on the train, and Drifter has kind of made his way through the train, either putting guardians down as far as like just making them revive. Obviously, he didn't actually put them down completely, but he's he's hijacking the train which I think is the most cowboy thing and most perfect thing for Drifter to do. Mm. It's just to do a good good old-fashioned train heist. So he goes on there, and granted, he's not putting them to gunpoint. He's talking to them, like Drifter always does. Drifter is going to talk to you and convince you that he is right. And he talks to the Redrix and Joxer and says, Hey, you two are my gambit buddies. You guys, I've seen you in there playing Gambit, so this is fairly recently. Um, yeah. He's like, you let me back there and I'll, I'll get you something good, right? Like, kind of thing. So, Redrix and Joxer don't immediately agree, but they do kind of agree towards the end. And so, what we find out later is that Joxer in particular and his t- three teammates, which are not named are basically guinea pigs for Drifter's Gambit Prime. And in that match of Gambit Prime, Drifter is testing the the armor sets and just Gambit Prime in general. So you have the armor sets going on. Uh, Joxer is the invader, and he mm, takes yeah. out a bunch of different people. But he finds out towards the end, a little too late, once the primeval is summoned, that it's not your normal Gambit, and that those within Gambit Prime, his three teammates, die permanently. So if you remember remember from uh, the entry that Ornholio read earlier, that Anora was worried that he would kill somebody, well, Drifter has. Not necessarily him, but his gambit has. And those three yeah, guardians are not listed. Those three guardians are perma-dead through that, which brings the stakes up a little higher in Gambit Prime. So that is Joxer's relationship, particularly with the Drifter. Joxer survives, he gets out. He's mad about the whole thing, rightfully so. Um, he does get to keep the invader set. He does talk to Drifter about the experience, kind of giving him his rundown or like a, a debriefing, if you would if you would rather. And he leaves. And that's the last that we've heard of Joxer at this point. Wow, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Was it explained why how those guardians died? And like how 
we haven't died and things like that. Obviously, we wouldn't die because, you know, our ghost is still present with us to revive us. But why right. wasn't their ghost able to revive them? So it, it's implied a few different things. One, the Gambit Prime that match that Joxler played in was a... Um, was a test run. So not all the modifiers put quote unquote could have been implemented at that point. So Drifter may have tried to make it a higher stakes game rather than what we play now. Yeah, definitely. The other thing is um, what happened to them is during the primeval stages, that's when things went south for them because uh, I'm trying to remember the entry that Joxer talked about that. So I guess that makes sense. It, it was like a testing ground. Like he was. Yes. Yeah. It, it was like the first of the Gambit Prime test. Correct. And so. And he hadn't finished like tweaking everything because at the uh, very end of that entry, he has his ghost, which is the the red eyed ghost or like the red red ghost that is infamous now as far as ghosts go. Um, report all the feed from the three that died. So obviously the three. Um, guardians that died during that match, their ghosts being killed, the feed automatically cuts, but he got a lot of information off of them and was able to tweak things and create uh, a more I found it. It's, uh, it's called The Reckoning. Thank it's you. one of the records that, or one of the little lore snippets that they posted before. Yeah, I posted yeah. it and it's in general for you guys. So, Jocks. um, yeah, guinea pigs, just like you said. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, Joxer even calls out, you said this was a test run. And Drifter says, where do you think you are? The Crucible? Gambit Prime is for keeps, test or no. So in some respects, Drifter, Gambit Prime should be a lot higher stakes than it actually is. Yeah. And, but... They're almost making it sound like Gambit Prime should be the next version of Survival or Trials. Where yeah. Once you're dead, you're done. Which would be that would be almost so like, difficult. That would be too brutal, I think, in my like from a gameplay wow. perspective. Or you would need to be revived or something like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you'd only get one chance as an invader. Like if you're if you're done as an invader and you don't survive, now imagine that. If you invade and somebody kills you or a sentry marks you and you're killed, you're done for the game. Ooh, that would mean that would make invading a whole different game. You'd have to like be on your toes and like if you were the invader, you that had to be good. like actually like really, really, really good instead of like, you know, oh, we're gonna have a random blueberry invasion. Oh, he doesn't get any kills. You'd have to go in there and wipe the whole enemy team to get out or just hide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's that not really the point of invading. Sure. Yes, it would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. Go for it. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I imagine a lot more people would be using Izanami's Burden. Because you oh, could yeah, not, definitely. not kill people as an invader with that guy. I agree. Yeah, that would be really interesting. And do we know where the Drifter came from? Where his origins were? We kind of got a little bit on that. Um, there is a book called The Man With No Name. 
And that is the book explicitly about Drifter. And I mentioned the card about Aphrodite and Drifter at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's towards the end of the book. But at the very beginning of the book, you see him and his... You see that every time he tries to help a community, it tends to backfire on him. So he ends up helping indirectly a lot of times. Um, yeah, actually, you were talking about a little bit earlier, Dark Angel. Do you want to take that one? Yeah, sure, sure. Hold on, let me peruse over to my tab here. I have too many tabs open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so with the whole the whole premise of the man with no name. On here, with it's a it's a pretty short book it's only nine entries Mm -hmm. but i it definitely gives a lot of insight into like why the drifter is the way he is because when he was first rezzed his ghost was like we we need to get out of here and he just like he just looks at it just bye and just runs the other way Mm -hmm. and he just like kind of just wants to get out and then he keeps getting rezzed by his ghost, and he's just like, why am I here? I don't want to do this. He's like, is this the afterlife? <laughs> this is like one of the things he's like, what the hell are you? The man spoke for the first time. I'm your ghost. My only purpose is to support you, the drone replied. You work for me. In a manner of speaking, yes. Is this the afterlife? <laughs> it's just... It's just kind of funny the way that the drifter's like, "Am I dead?" Mm-hmm. After that, well, he just—I mean, I guess like you're not used to like you're dying and then come back, and then um, it's also kind of funny because in the second entry called Dogma, it talks about because um, there's at least at least I've noticed, I know a lot of people have noticed the drifter talks about food a lot. Like, mm, I want to cook up those hive, and it's just like, "Are you He's- okay, man?" He's technically never finished a scorn, apparently. Like, just like all of this, like random. I, mean, I don't think it's really. I wouldn't say random, but like, the dogma entry kind of gives, or gives a little bit of insight, because like, he kept dying of starvation over and over, and he was like, the ghost was like, I, I can fix this, I can heal you, and there's like, no, I don't want to get healed, I don't want to. He was like, he was very humble when it came to like using his light. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, and the ghost is like, you should pick a name. And he's just like, I'm still hungry. Why am I still hungry? Because he he died and then he uh, revived, but he was like still hungry and he just keeps dying. He's like, I'm still hungry. Why does this keep happening? And then uh, he becomes a, he hides the fact that he's a guardian in this one town called Eaton, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm But what was really interesting is um, there was this Iron Lord there, and he, the Iron Lord there was kind of acting more like a warlord than an Iron Lord. He was not an Iron Lord. He was a warlord. He wasn't an Iron Lord? He was a warlord. Okay. My bad. My bad. I thought he was an Iron Lord. Saitan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. My bad. I missed. You're good. So good. But yeah, this one was kind of, when I read the first time, I was like, I don't really get what's happening. I was kind of confused because he changed his name a bunch. Mm-hmm throughout the book so i was like wait is this still i didn't realize until the end that it was about the drifter i, mean, I was like a little like i think this is the drifter because like some right. of the voice some of the lines i was thinking because he's like how you living i was like 
That's something the drifter would say. <laughs> but yeah, he kind of. So yeah. If you want to, the man with have with no names has so many names. It's kind of funny. He, yeah, but basically, his actual name in the book, the majority of the time, is Wu Ming, mm-hmm. which is how Oren knows him. Yeah, who is a totally other character that is crazy and probably a little disturbing once you finally learn about her. Yeah, great book, by the yeah. way, written by Melozy. Um, granted, I I'm not I. I'm not sure what her real name is. The writer, she goes by Mellow Z on Twitter. Yeah. She wrote Ecdysis. Which is, oh my God. Which is the book that is all about Orin, which is the emissary of the nine. Mm. Mm. She had quite a journey from, you know, Exodus Green. I think Exodus, Exodus Green's mm-hmm. the northern chip. Yeah. Exodus mm-hmm. Green to Distributary to Earth to being a guardian. To back to the reef to it's a very long winded journey but it's very interesting because i was explaining because one of the voice lines when you're in reckoning is her saying she was a guardian and my my boyfriend was like wait she's a guardian what explain please and i'm like okay you're gonna have to sit down for this one and then i kind of explained to him the whole book and he's like whoa because it, it's so crazy to see like someone go on that whole journey Mm -hmm. and she has all that knowledge i guess yeah she's an interesting character i'm glad we got more information about her definitely yeah because she was definitely a and then a mysterious person that's for sure (laughs) and we found out that she's the reason that uh zur has a hunchback you know, I was, I was laughing so much. Yeah, because she hit him in the chest with her, like, warhammer. Yeah, she's a titan. Yeah. So when I think of the hammer, I think of, like, the big, like, burning mall kind of hammer. That's kind of what I was picturing in my head when I was reading. Like, she just went, well, bam! And just, ah, oh, it's gonna hurt. Mm-hmm. Those things are huge. And they track. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I think the Drifter is such a interesting character because he has so many different elements to him and so many different stories about him. Some people love him, some people hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting to learn more about what the Nine want from him and why he was chosen by them and why it, it almost feels like he's being kind of attacked in multiple directions where you have the Praxic Order trying to pretty much remove him from the city, but then you have characters like Zavala almost defending him and saying, okay, he has the right to be here. But then you also have the Nine who are now pretty much saying that he is the chosen one in some aspects. Chosen one may be a bit strong, but yeah, I, I definitely understand where you're going with that one. Because I'm sorry, having the fate of the world placed on Drifter's shoulders is terrifying. Um, yeah, I agree that. Yeah. But a little worrying. 
the whole thing that with Zavala in particular and the Vanguard paints him in a different light compared to what we've been dealing with, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of people have, and myself included, I dislike a lot of the choices that Zavala has made since the Red War. And I tend to view him as not a commander necessarily, but as what his role should have been initially as a mentor. His whole thing in Warmind probably set me over the edge, though, with him showing up on Mars and telling Anna she can't do what she was doing. But this whole thing shows that Zavala is learning. He, is, he has gotten better as far as realizing that even though people walk different paths in Destiny, in this world that we play in, that their paths may not be wrong. They're just different. Wow. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's um, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't know. With Zavala, I, I understand why a lot of people are frustrated with him, but I don't know how to explain this. In, I feel kind of bad for him because mm -hmm. you know, he was the vanguard commander, you know, in D1 and, or, and everything, and then, like, you know, kind of right in the high of, oh yeah, we kicked all the butts of all the bad guys in Age of Triumph, and then Red War hit. Mm -hmm. And then all of this, like, bad... I mean, yes, we eventually triumphed, but to go from, you know, Age of Triumph to losing the city, losing the tower, losing, like, countless civilians, not doing his job, if he... Like... And then him deciding, oh, we'll retreat to Titan... That was another bad choice that he did. He lost countless other guardians trying to fight the hive, and it's just like, and now, now that now that we have the city back, he's like almost like choke holding the city in a sense that it's like he wants to prove, I think almost to himself, maybe mm -hmm. that well, we'll, well not maybe to himself, we'll but we'll see what he ends up doing. Yeah, I'm I'm. I feel kind of bad for Zavala a little bit because a lot of people hate on him. Like, oh, he's stupid. And I'm like, he's just trying, okay? He suffered a big, like, morale blow with the Red War and whatnot. And he had his, like, confidence, like, shook out from underneath. And then losing Cade. And, I mean, like, he wanted to go after Aldrin and stuff, but he's like, you gotta do what's best for the city. And that's. I'm not gonna say you. I'm not gonna tell you no, but. You're not gonna have the Vanguard support. Yeah, that's yeah. why he was like, you know, just like Green said, he's not more. He wasn't more. He wasn't really a leader like in that aspect. He was more like being a mentor. He's like, yeah. we're not conquerors. Yeah. We're not, you know. Exactly. Like, exactly. They, he they, he's yeah. much more better as like a mentor than he is as, I think, a leader of the Vanguard. And there like, have been choices that have turned out bad and choices that have turned out good. It's just yeah. perspective. Yes. Definitely. That is really interesting. And yeah, I think that, you know, Zavala always had great intentions, uh, but I feel like some of his decisions were a little questionable, where he almost played it safe a little bit too much when yeah. there's too much at stake. You can't just sit back while things are going down that could affect civilization as we know it. Well, that's why we had the Vanguard as a trio 
Zavala was the style, like the steady Titan. He helped literally build the walls of the city. Ikora was the person, like the warlock who was probably more feared in the crucible than a majority of people. And mm -hmm. Shaq still can't sit down thanks to her shotgun. Mm -hmm. um, and then you had Cade who wasn't necessarily a hothead, but didn't necessarily buck, like he didn't mesh well with rules and he did things his own way. He, he felt more like a renegade, like he mm -hmm. played by his, by the beat of his own drum. Well, he's a hunter. Now granted, Shiro played nicer than he did, but Shiro still made the bet with Cade. Yeah. That's really interesting. And we also know that the Praxic Order want him out, and they're kind of a shady bunch because we know that there was some crime committed by them as well after having some research done. Right. Where, you know, they're trying to point fingers at him and make him as the enemy, but at the same time, they don't have the cleanest history themselves. Well, that's the whole beauty of this expansion is that, and it has been kind of since the end of Black Armory, is that people who you viewed as the black and white people, like these guys are obviously bad and these guys are obviously good, that line is getting blurred more and more, not only with Drifter, not only with characters like Cade even, but even within the bad guy realm, we have two characters now in different races that theoretically could be supporters of the Guardians, Varix and Mithrax. Granted, we don't know if they will actually move into those positions or if the dissidents um, of Fickrel and there's one other fallen captain, she's kind of like a ship pirate type character uh, that will be kind of like the bad guy versions but there are the possibility or there is the possibility of us working together with some what quote unquote enemies to get I don't know what at this point what is the end we don't know yet <clears throat> like the yeah. pyramid ships like, like Mara yeah. said a side should be always be taken even if it's the wrong side. Yeah, and didn't she say that right before she left? Yes, that is. Yeah. And what what's funny is she said that, but that's a direct quote from the Exo Stranger yeah. back in D1. Elsie Bray. Mm -hmm. Elsie Bray, yeah. Who was the person that we now suspect that Mara went to visit, which means yes. we might have a return to the stranger. Ooh. Mm. Gotta wow. love how this world started connecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's it's Mithrax, and then there's Fickrel, and the other one is um Aram Aramnus, the ship stealer. Right. She's a House of Devils Baroness, incarcerated during the Wolf Wars, and she fled mm -hmm. the prison of elders. Doesn't during this the... feel like kind of a Game of Thrones? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm kind of getting that here? vibe uh -huh. almost. Uh huh. I'm loving it. I actually, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not a huge fan of Game of Thrones because it's. It hurts my head. I want to read for enjoyment. That hurts my head to read sometimes just because it's hard to keep up with all the different characters. But I love politics. And this yeah. is very much so turning into that. So could we be having some Fallen as 
our allies, possibly? Like, yeah, definitely Mithrax and, and maybe Varix, depending on... Uh... Yeah. Mithrax has already worked with Jure. Mithrax has already worked like with Guardian fire teams and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So definitely... And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we work with the Fallen during the Forsaken expansion where we almost sided well, we with the spider, the spider mm -hmm. we, we sided and with the spider, his fallen so. were on our side fighting with us right yeah and, i mean we worked with yep. uh yeah we worked with barracks before during like house of wolves and everything yeah definitely too, so. and the fallen are definitely a race that we could theoretically work with that would not necessarily thunder fall under the umbrella of a darkness race because the vex or not the vex but the fallen were also chosen by the traveler at one point yeah. Definitely. They just have guardians like we did. That's really interesting. And now we know that the Drifter does participate in, well, he has us essentially play Gambit and Gambit Prime, which is his ultimate scheme. Mm -hmm. Do we do we know fully the purpose of Gambit and how that benefits him in his ultimate? A purpose if, and his goal with all of this. If we did, do you think we would continue playing it? Well, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting thought. I Just mean, like Green said, we could be charging something like he's charging something up, possibly like you know, um, some some kind of I don't know, like arsenal mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. It almost feels like he's building something up, making it stronger, almost possibly. like. And that's what the nine probably oh. saw and everything. And they're like, oh, you could be useful. Here's this big ball. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's interesting because he has been able to convince Zavala and Ikora to allow him to exist in the tower, despite forces being against him. But still, he had enough uh, influence on them where they still sided with him they didn't question him too much i think it's, it's a bit like... of a perfect storm because we had the um reunifying re of ikora and osiris who yeah. and osiris has been proven to some extent right with his crazy theories because osiris was banned from the tower for his theories on vex now granted Part of his banishment was not necessarily his fault because he didn't want a cult following him. Yeah, but, very true. But the whole development within Osiris and the curse of Osiris, as much as a lot of people disliked that story, is still really important because it sets up this perfect storm for the Vanguard to start questioning a lot of their decisions and the decisions of the consensus. Yeah. At some point, I'm hoping that we get the factions back because we had the um, now you may not have seen this or Cornholio with your decision to follow the Vanguard on your hunter. And I don't know how far you've gotten in your Titan and Warlock. But when you go to see Spider at the beginning of the mission with the um, the choice, essentially, there is a black market that he has and you have to pick up one item from the black market before you continue the quest well that one item is important yes but everything else that's in that black market relates back to pretty much like 
the factions and there's like a gallowhorn type thing in there. Was it called like Midnight Special or something? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's I'm hoping for some more faction stuff to come back. Now granted I disliked the faction rallies the way they were because it created a lot of division within the community. Yeah. But that was the intent of it in some respects. It wasn't memorable though either. Correct. And I'm hoping they figure out a way to make them a little bit more memorable. Yeah. Or I just want to figure out how to get Hideo's key to his apartment because that was one of the items he was selling. And yeah. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious just to go mess with Hideo, who is, by the way, my faction leader. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 go with I sided with, uh, with him also. Yeah. Nice. Uh-oh. <laughs> what are you, future war cult? Yeah, I mean, I, I was Dead Orbit, and then I was Future War Cult, so I kind of flipped between those two. I'll be honest, the only reason I went with, went with Dead Orbit, I mean, they want to, I mean, yes, they want to leave the Traveler, which is a little, I don't know. I mean, like, I have no problem with you picking whoever you want to be with. Like, you pick your faction as you want to. I, yeah. there, are, there are bad things and there are good things about each of the factions. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's kind of what I was trying to say. But I'll be honest, one of the reasons I went with Dead Orbit was to get the black shaders because there isn't any super black in D2. And that's what I would run on my hunter. And yeah. I run the um, the Dead Orbit shader on my collector set. And then I run um, Dreaming Spectrum. So it makes my cloak like a nice purple and it looks really good so that's why i'm like because some of my friends they didn't do faction rallies they're like how did you get that i'm like faction rallies you side to side with dead orbit now mm -hmm. so yeah that's like literally was the only reason but like from like i think a lore perspective i think i'd probably choose future war cult or yeah probably future war cult because i mean yes they are using golden age tech that might make people go crazy I mean, but they did predict the red war but no one believed them so i don't know but they also didn't do anything about it also true exactly that's the thing it's like some of like all of that's what i kind of like about the factions is like they all have like their good things and their bad things like mm -hmm. a lot of people are like oh we should get rid of all of the factions but like i they each like do their part for the city like if we didn't have dead orbit we wouldn't like i don't know i just think all of the factions are fine i guess just the way they are i mean like i definitely think there should be some sort of system in game kind of like how in d1 you could just get whatever you wanted and just like pledge to a faction and then rank up with them yeah that's really interesting and it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with factions going into future updates in this uh, season and going into the season of the opulence. I'm interested to see if we will get faction rallies back in some mm -hmm. form or if they will maybe come up with a new idea for how they want to kind of keep the faction tied into the game. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see where they creatively take the story and the characters that we have 
come to know. Maybe they'll change it from having factions to our choice between Victor and Vanguard being more important later Ooh, on. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because the city has become less and less a focus since the Red War, as far as what we're doing, which it would be really interesting if they tied it back in to where we were doing factions and doing stuff to help the community, because that yeah. ultimately is what the consensus of Dead Orbit Future War Cult New Monarchy are supposed yeah. to do. They're supposed to help the civilians. They're the civilian yeah. voice on the panel. But the other option is, and this is something that uh, Mesa Sean used to throw out all the time on Planet Destiny, was to have an in-world event where if you have the Dredgen title on, you and you go into this darkness zone pvp style like ah uh, uh, i like where you're going mm -hmm, with this mm -hmm. i thought of this too you could be hunted by Ooh. people who don't have the title on Ooh, yep. i like that you'd be rogue you're, mm -hmm. you're literally rogue <laughs> so it would be almost the same as what the division has with the darkness zone now granted division has changed up how they do the darkness zone which i think the improvements are very much needed um, I hated Darkness Zone in D Division 1, by the way. Division 2 Darkness Zone apparently is much better, and I am actually contemplating buying the game now because of it. But having that ability where you go into a PvP, PvE zone like that, that's open world, would be really cool. I think that would be really cool. I would love that. Yep. Absolutely. That would be pretty sweet. We did play a little bit of the Division. Mm -hmm. for i think one of the weekly events but then we always come back to destiny this game just kind of draws us in and uh, we always come back oh, but yeah. um but i i really appreciate the fact that how they used the sandbox in the division and how there was mystique to certain areas where like, you know if you go into that area you're probably gonna get your butt kicked right um and i think destiny has been missing that as of late i think they had that in destiny one if you remember playing on earth uh where the loot cave was mm -hmm. what was that uh part of the the sky watch mm -hmm. sometimes you would have these giant uh wars break out between the enemies moving against each other the hive yeah. and the fallen hive and the fallen yeah yeah and you did not want to be around during those times and that was really fun to me to go into that little um hive cave where omnigal was in strike and there were like more enemies out there that literally just killed you with one little shot and you did like no damage to them I think like the question to... mark ogre underneath the yeah. stairs mm -hmm. and of Skywatch. When you were very low level, you would just venture out past like the Forgotten Shore or whatever. There'd be some fallen out there that were question marks and everything that would that would wreck yeah. you. I would yeah. love to see them embrace that a little bit more in Destiny Two and going into future seasons. It would be interesting. It yeah, would definitely be interesting. So the Drifter, wow, he is such an interesting character, and we talked about him in pretty great length. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts about the Drifter that you want to share with our audience? I think 
the way I would view Drifter, if I were you, a the guy has plainly said that he's crazy. He eats enemy races on a regular basis, <laughs> which now yeah. the 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 reason he has like Vex next to him, like Vex pieces, makes me wonder if that's his snack, if that's his lunch as he goes <laughs> to work type thing. But view Drifter with as much I wouldn't view him with animosity, but I wouldn't trust him either. View him as a crazy uncle who might actually get you that job interview. That is an interesting way to look at him. Yeah. Wow. It's very interesting. But yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dark Angel, do you have any thoughts, final thoughts on the Drifter? I mean... I'm intrigued to see where, like, our choices, whether to side with him or not, impact later down the line. That's that's what I'm very excited to see. And, I mean, I don't trust him. I mean, my problem is I'm a very, I trust very easy. So I'm like, oh, he's nice. He's cool. He gives me stuff. I like him. And he's going to stab me in the back. I, I kind of have that feeling he's going to, I mean, I don't know. But, like, during the Allegiance quest, he seemed genuine but at the same time he stabs everyone in the back so it's like can you really trust him that's the question yeah that's he's like point. you know if, you know you're siding with a monster but monsters like live or something like that he's, yeah definitely you know. very interesting well thank you guys for uh joining us today to talk no about problem, Destiny lore. I had a really awesome time. And Green, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about Destiny lore and sharing mm -hmm. your awesome knowledge with our audience and with us. We uh, greatly appreciate you being on the podcast and we have a great deal of respect for you and what Focused Fire Team Chat does. So we really appreciate your time and your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And absolutely. Absolutely. And if you ever feel like you want to come back on, we'll be more than happy to have you back on the podcast anytime. Um, you are one of the most knowledgeable people who I've met in uh, this community on Destiny Lore. So I, I thank you for your knowledge and being with us today. And... Mm -hmm. Where can we learn more about you? Uh, the best places to learn more about me is either to follow me on Twitter, which is my uh, my gamer tag is kind of difficult because I made it while I was in college, but Green Eyed Music Lover on Twitter. Uh, also on Discord as the same. I'm sure that my links will be in the show notes because Cornholio is awesome. Other place you can find me is on the Lore Network under the Focus Fire Chat tab. I help Blue with all sorts of different things over there, whether it's writing show notes or articles or helping with the social media aspect of all the crazy stuff of producing a show because there's a lot of background stuff that people don't see normally. So you can always hit me up there. Or yeah, those two places, Twitter and Lore Network and I guess Discord, three places. Counting is hard. Awesome. And we will have that in the show notes. Um, so you will be able to 
find all of this information in the latest show notes for this episode. And the Dark Angel 98, where can we learn more about you? All righty, Idy. I'm on Twitter with the same handle, at the Dark Angel 98. I'm also on Twitch pretty regularly. So yeah, same yeah. name on Twitch, the Dark Angel 98. Show up Twitch. there a couple times so, yeah. on Twitch. This Twitch thing I'm hearing about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just a little bit. Making a little bit of a splash. A little bit, just a little bit. I might... Are you at 100 yet? Uh, 91, I think. Almost. Well, here's the thing. I haven't been able to stream this week at all because, like I said, I'm on vacation. Well, not vacation, vacation, but I'm on spring break. So I'm in this weird, like, limbo. Like, I tried streaming, and it didn't. my internet here was so bad that it was like, eh, I'll just take this time to, like, actually be on break, break, and relax, which is good. It's good. Understandable. And hey, I hope you enjoy the rest of your break. And thank you so much for being on the show as well. It's great to have you back. And we can't wait to talk about more Destiny lore next month. And uh, we will be posting updates on all of that on our website at destinyshow.com and on our Twitter at The Destiny Show. And uh, Shadow Price, you awake? I am. Awesome. Where can we learn more about you? You can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. And when I stream, you can follow me there at twitch.tv forward slash I am ShadowPrice. Very cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. From Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, If you like the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe. That really helps us out so that more people can find out about our podcast. And we greatly appreciate you guys listening. And thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. We had an absolute blast with Green from Focused Fire Chat and with our new resident lore expert, the Dark Angel 98. And of course... Everyone, thank you for tuning in. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And 
we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.